I've shifted away from stretching as much to doing more, 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 more mobility work. Apparently I need to work on the mobility of my tongue because I can't even form words sometimes. Diz Runs Radio episode 1057 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Well, well, well. Apparently, it's that time again. Who knew? Who knew that a month could go by so quickly that yet here we are. Last Friday of the month means it's time for the monthly listener Q&A edition of the show. If you've been around for a while, you know how this works. If you're new here, welcome. This is something we do every month. The last Friday of every month is dedicated to your questions, my answers, with a little bit of luck, some actual usable information uh, make may come your way as well. Of course, it, it depends on the the caliber of questions, the caliber of advice that may come out. And we've got we've got some good questions today. We've got some nonsense questions as well. Bet you'll never guess who submitted all the nonsense questions or who who which household submitted all the nonsense questions. Spoiler alert: you'll figure it out quickly. Um, but we got we got a whole gamut today. We got a whole host of questions to the point where you know a little behind the scenes information. Not for nothing, not that anybody asked, but I'm going to tell you. Anyway, usually I try to make sure I can carve out time to do this all in one shot. I don't like to stop and start my podcast recordings any more than I like to stop and start my podcasts when I'm listening to them. Yet uh, coming off of the cruise and with kind of how the calendar's looking before this episode has to come out, I don't know if I'm going to have a shot to just saddle up and hammer for... uh, you know, two plus hours, which is where I think, I think we're going to end up today. Thanks to all of the, uh, the questions of varying degrees of quality today. So, uh, there's going to be some stops and starts as we go with the recording with a little bit of luck. You won't be any of the wires you won't know exactly where I set it down for today and come back later or come back tomorrow. You'll all just be listening to it as you go. But, uh, but yeah, this is going to be a monster today. But uh, that's okay. That's okay. It's it's fun for me. Hopefully, fun for you. And again, if you're new around here, we do this at the end of each month, and the, and you're welcome to get your questions in any old time you want to. But the best way to get the questions in and make sure that they get on the show is to join the Facebook group in our in our little corner of Facebook. Which not for nothing, there's a Facebook group question today. We'll get there as we go. Um, but uh, somewhere in the middle of the month, I put out a, a, a post in the group that says, "What are your questions this month?" And then uh, turn it over to you to sometimes do your best, sometimes do your worst, sometimes end up somewhere in the middle. And that's what provides the fodder for what you're about to hear. So disruns.com slash Facebook is the link to get you to the the group directly. I'll take you right there on Facebook. You just click to, uh, hey, can I join your group? I'll say yes. And uh, you're good to go. Um, But you can also just search for the Disruns Tribe on Facebook anytime that, or anytime that you're on Facebook. Just use the Facebook search bar, Disruns Tribe. Uh, and it'll take you right there as well. There's a couple other various Disruns groups. I, I, the, the athletes I coach, there's a group for them. There's a, a Patreon group. Um, they're all they're all closed groups, meaning you have to request to join any of them. But the Disruns Tribe group is the one that's open for anybody. Anybody that wants to come in can come in. 
Um, no, no barriers to entry other than clicking the, the button that says you want to come in. We'll let you in. And then uh, as, long as, as long as you don't abuse privileges, you'll get to stick around. If you abuse, abuse the privileges, we just kick you out. And it's easy peasy. Um, and we don't make a lot of fanfare about it, but we do, we do do that every once in a while. And yes, I just said do-do. Anyway, disruns.com slash Facebook is the link. We got a lot of questions today. Uh, so let's cut to, the che- cut to the chase. Or cut to the cheese. No, let's not cut to the cheese. Let's cut to the chase and uh, get on with the first question. So the first question coming from Melody. How was the cruise? I mean, it was a cruise, you know. Um, so if, if, if you don't follow follow my life religiously, which I don't blame you because my life is pretty boring. But if you don't follow my, my life very closely, you may have missed that uh, we were on a cruise for the better part of, of eight days. You know, kind of, you know, I guess seven, like six days of cruising, but one day of travel on each end um, made it kind of an eight day excursion. And it was it was an endeavor. Uh, at least getting started was an endeavor. I wrote a couple emails about that. Almost missed the flight, almost missed the boat because of uh, leaving our COVID vaccine cards back home. But we, we made it. We jumped through all the hurdles. We, we ticked all the boxes, hung on by the, the, the skin of our teeth. And uh, we got on, on a cruise ship in uh, Seattle, bound for Alaska, pit stop in Canada on the way home. Um, and it was fine. It was fine. I am, I am not the biggest cruise guy. Um, I don't mind a cruise, but I... I, I you know, it's just not like you may have noticed or you may have heard if you've been around for a while that, you know, people aren't exactly my, my cup of tea. Um, you know, I like, I like some space. I'm not, uh, the, the biggest extrovert and, you know, being trapped on a boat with 4,000 people and nowhere to go, uh, especially on the days that you can't get off the boat anywhere. Um, you know, not exactly an extrovert's paradise. Uh, I'm sorry, not exactly an introvert's paradise. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, it was fine. Um, I don't mind the the cruises when I can find quiet places. I don't mind the cruises when there's lots of stops and I can just get off and go. Um, and I mean, there were stops, but that wasn't exactly how this one worked out because it was a big, a big family situation. Um, and, and that situation in a bad way, but it was, it was Rebecca and I and Addison and then her parents and then, uh, Rebecca's brother and his kids. So there was eight of us. Um, and kind of the expectation was spoken or unspoken was that we were doing lots of things together. So it wasn't just kind of, you could do whatever you wanted. It was just kind of like, we're all going to do the same thing. Um, which again, not exactly my way of my method of relaxing and just enjoying everything. Right. Um, but it was fine. You know, I mean, again, it was fine. Like it was better than like, you know, like toiling in the fields. Um, was it my ideal vacation? Was it the best vacation I ever had? I mean, uh, no, probably not, but it probably was never going to be that way. So maybe it was self-fulfilling. You know, I don't know. Uh, but it was fine. The scenery was great. The weather was, was great. Um, the food on the boat was very pedestrian. Um, like really not good. Um, the entertainment on the ship was not that good. And I don't know if it's just, I don't know if the food and the entertainment situation is a hangover from COVID and, you know, people that were in the cruise industry have left the cruise industry. And so they're trying to to backfill and there's just some growing pains. Or if, if maybe my memories of past cruises that I've been on and the food and the, the entertainment was maybe I'm, I'm remembering it better than it was, but that was very like, those two aspects were very disappointing. Um, the staff that was there was all great, you know, but just like, 
the performers were not very good. Uh, better than me, of course. You know, I'm not not trying to cast shade here, but like, like not good. Uh, the food was not good. Um, so it was fine. You know, the soft serve ice cream was okay. Not good, but you know, it was okay. It was soft serve ice cream. Um, you know, the lemonade was okay. The, the coffee wasn't bad. Um, you know, so how was the cruise? It was okay. Saw a couple of whales. Um, saw Angela. Angela Murphy, if you've been a long time, long time resident of the Dizruns tribe here. She's, she's been a part of the group since about day one. Um, she lives in Juneau now. So we got to spend some time with her and went on a hike and had some lunch and, and did some kind of local Juneau things as opposed to just all the touristy Juneau things. So that was cool. That was probably the highlight. Um, also got to, you know, one of the excursions we went on, we saw some, some bald eagles up close and personal. That was pretty cool. But, uh, you know, the cruise itself, eh. Just say I'm in no rush to get back on another cruise ship anytime soon, and certainly not for a seven-day cruise. Maybe a three-day cruise. But taking a three-day cruise off the left coast of the country, that's that's a thing, too. So, I don't know. How was the cruise, Melody? Eh. Eh. It was fine. Glad to be home. Glad to be home. Next question, also from Melody. Why do you run? I feel like we've talked about this one before. But uh, I run to just be kind of a better all-around person, and with not running much lately. Um... I like to think I haven't devolved into too much of a, of an animal, uh, in the last couple of months that I've been on the shelf, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the devolution is, uh, coming, or at least it has the potential to be coming. So hopefully I'll be back to running again consistently. I ran a couple times on the cruise. That was another highlight. Um, so that was, that was, you know, encouraging that maybe I can, I can be running again relatively consistently, but trying to be smart, ease back into things again. Um, and hopefully not flare anything back up. Um, but the wheel seems to be holding the air once again. Um, so yeah, I run to be a better person. It makes me, it makes me more relaxed. It makes me, uh, more chill, uh, more calm, less, uh, easy to anger. Um, and so hopefully that makes me a little bit better person around the house, better, better dad, better husband. Um, just an all around better person, you know, maybe a little less of a snarky POS like I may have been a snarky POS on the ship. Maybe running helps me to be a little bit less of that in the general public. You know, so running is a good thing for me. And I need to get back to it. Next question from Melody. Like I told you, you might figure out where these nonsense questions are coming from relatively quickly. Uh, next question from Melody. How's house hunting and selling going? Yeah, I mean, it's not. Um, you know, so there's that. Um, that's another thing hanging over our heads right now. We've been trying to, to move to, uh, move up a state, move from, from Florida to Georgia. Um, put the house on the market just before we left on the, well, like a week before we went on the cruise, uh, had an offer kind of drug our feet on accepting the, well, we went back and forth a couple times at the counters and blah, 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 blah. And by the time we were like, yep, we'll take it. They were like, yeah, I don't know anymore. And then we haven't had, and that was right before we left on the cruise and then haven't heard anything uh, since there's been a few showings while we were gone. Um, so yeah, you know, that's kind of stalled itself out, which is not encouraging, uh, which means the house hunting hasn't really gotten going in earnest because, you know, we kind of need to sell the one to buy the next. Right. So, you know, we're, we're looking a little bit, um, and hoping that now that we're back and back in town and maybe can start leaning on the uh, real estate agent to, to do the things a little bit, um, we can get some movement going now, but this, th that was another thing with the cruise, like, and, and it was, you know, it is what it is, but just the timing of that with trying to sell the house was like, it always had the potential to be a little bit of a, you know, 
black hole there in the, in the early part of that process. And it proved to be, but hopefully now that we're back and, uh, able to, to kind of hopefully get some things going, uh, kind of finish up some stuff around the house, do some packing, all that kind of stuff. And just things will start to fall into place a little bit more now is the plan, but yeah, no, no updates other than nothing is happening. Literally nothing is happening on that front as I'm recording this, but maybe, maybe just maybe by the time you're listening to it, things will have picked up a little bit of speed. That's the hope. Another question from Melody. Whatever happened to using the back straightener thingy? Did it work? Help? Um, so a while back, gosh, maybe a year ago, year and a half, something like that. I got this like posture corrector thing off of uh, the internets that kind of strapped around your shoulders and kind of helped pull your shoulders back for those of us that have poor posture. Um, you know, I mean, it, I, it, like I haven't been using it much lately. It's probably been six months since I used it. Um, probably even longer than that, realistically. Um, you know, I mean, it's one of those things that kind of helps when you're wearing it, but it doesn't, at least for me, I probably didn't wear it consistently enough to make any lasting meaningful changes. The thing that's helped the most realistically is I've, I've upgraded to a standing desk. So I stand a lot more during the day, which means I'm standing up and looking at the computer straight in front of me instead of sitting at the desk kind of hunched over with the, with this, with the screen right there. So, uh, I feel like that's helped and maybe it would actually be worth it to get the, the, posture corrector thing back out now to make sure that when I'm standing, my posture is where I think it is. Uh, cause right now it still has to be pretty conscious for me to, to make sure that I'm upright shoulders back, things like that. Uh, something I'm working on, but, um, maybe now that I'm not just sitting and I wouldn't be fighting the thing all the time, maybe it would be something worth bringing back out. But you know, it's, it's, I don't know that it worked. I, that, I, that would be a, a bold statement. Um, it didn't hurt anything. Like I said, maybe it's time to, to dust it back off and try it, try it again. Uh, next question, also from Melody. Will you miss having easy access to the house of mouse when you move? Or will you keep your passes and try to go there as often as you are able? Um, at the risk of offending all of you Disney people, and I know that there's at least a couple Disney people that listen to the show. Um, no, I don't think we're going to miss it, actually. Uh, Rebecca and I talked about that a little bit. Um, not that that was any type of deciding factor in the move, of course, but like, you know, I mean, we've, I've, I got my first Disney annual pass when I was a freshman in college. I used to go up there and, and I say study that, that might be bold of a statement, but I used to take a, like my Western civilization book up there. And like, I'd go sit in the train station when the train station actually was still a functioning train station. Uh, the main street train station, if you know, you know, um, and I'd like go sit there and read and like watch the parade and then read a little bit and go ride a ride and find this quiet spot and read a little bit and watch the, like I used to just go up there. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't a big thing. You know, it took 35, 40 minutes, something like that. Um, but 20 years later, you know, and getting to getting to Disney from, from our house, like it should be easy access. Like you say, but like, it's not like, it doesn't take 40 minutes anymore. It takes like an hour and 20 minutes on a good day. Um, and like, I don't do well with just sitting in traffic, but there's no other alternative really. So like, we don't go as often as we, as we used to, it's kind of more of a thing. And especially like when it takes an hour and 20 minutes to get there, then to only be there for a couple of hours and it takes another hour and a half to get home. It's like, it takes you three quarters of the day to only be there for two hours. It's kind of just a pain in the tuchus. Um, so we haven't been going as much. It's still nice to have the pay, the passes. It's nice to have the opportunity, the option to go, but we don't go very often. Um, so I think kind of, you know, press and pause on that would be a good thing. Uh, not that I'm anti Disney by any stretch, but, 
I think I think being away and not having passes and maybe, you know, every two or three years, like coming down and doing like a quote unquote proper Disney. Like I haven't had a proper Disney vacation since I was a kid. Right. Because like we would just go even when we went for like a, a weekend or, or whatever. And we might've stayed at, stayed over there on property. Like it still was like, Oh, we go for a couple hours in the parks. We get crowded. And we just go back to the resort. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's just like, we haven't done like that full Disney day thing really ever. Um, but if we, you know, don't have passes anymore and we come back for a, you know, four or five day vacation, uh, and do a couple days in the parks, like we'll probably do full days in the parks. And I don't know that that's better or worse, but like, it'll be different than what we've done. Certainly different than anything Addison's ever done with Disney. So, um, I'm not going to miss being as close to the parks. Um, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I, I'm sure at some point I'll be like, God, it'd be nice to just kind of buzz over there for a couple hours and watch the fireworks and, or, you know, hit the, hit the water park for a couple hours or whatever. Um, but right now, like I'm, I'm okay with letting our passes go. Um, and maybe not really doing a Disney thing for a few years. Um, but I'll still do it at some point, you know, we, we still have family down here, so we'll still be around once in a while. Um, and it's not like George is that far away that we can't make a three day weekend out of it every once in a while either. So we'll still be around, but we won't be giving quite as much money to the mouse anymore as we had been. I don't think next question. Also from melody. Also, this says may, but I'm assuming you mean June hardy, har, har, heaven forbid. I forgot to change the, uh, the date on the post. Yes, this means June melody. Thanks for, thanks for all your block of questions here at the start. I'm sure we will be hearing from you again. <laughs> next question from Hildy. How did you get your start in running? That's, that's a very loaded question, Hildy. Um, and in an effort to not make this already probably going to be two hour Q and a episode into a four hour feature length, double feature length, uh, episode, I'll try to give you the, the somewhat too long. Don't read or don't listen to version. I'll try to, I'll try to dumb it down and hit the highlights. So, um, I was never a runner, hated running. I, I think I've said this a few times before, um, for, for the first 20 something years of my life, right? Uh, in college, I would run a little bit just for, for fitness, try to keep the, you know, try to, try to sort of stay in a, in less of a shape. Um, but I didn't enjoy it at all. And when I was at middle Tennessee state university in, in grad school, I was working with a track and cross country team, um, as, as their athletic trainer. And that meant I got to sit at practice every day, which meant I got to sit at the track every day for somewhere in the neighborhood of two to four hours every day. Um, and I got bored. I got really bored. I got really, really bored. And at some point, I guess I just decided that I'd go for a, a run because I was bored. You know, like, like not that I enjoyed running, not that I thought that this might be like something I would enjoy doing, but by God, like I was here, I had to still be here. There wasn't much that I needed to do at the moment. I was falling asleep. So let's try to move. And so just, you know, ran a couple laps and, you know, then practice would end. And that kind of just kind of continued for a while. And, and to the point where, you know, it's it like, it was starting to maybe get a little bit easier. And the, the, the runners, the college runners that were there, like they would, they, they were very encouraging as you know, not surprisingly as the running community tends to be like, they knew I was not anywhere near at their level or their ability to compete or their ability to run fast or whatever. But like, Hey, they, like they encouraged me. Good job. Keep going. You know, like, like maybe do another lap tomorrow, whatever. 
um, they'd run with me sometimes. Like they'd be doing their cool downs and they'd just kind of set along next to me. And, and even though they could have left me in the dust while still doing a proper cool down, they ran with me. And so it's just like, it kind of, it kind of ingrained me a little bit more, I think into the team. Not that I was obviously part of the team, but like I kind of was from a medical perspective. Um, I was their, their trainer. I went with them everywhere. And so, you know, it started at practice and then it, it carried over when we would be on the, on the road at away meets and we'd have some time. Like I'd, I'd be at the track. Some of my athletes would compete early in the morning. The majority of them would con- compete afternoon into the evening to the, the latter part of the track meet. And if you've ever been to a track meet, you know, that there's, there's some lulls in a big time track meet. And so, you know, I'd have time and I'd go for a run around Georgia Tech's campus or around Auburn's campus or the University of Kentucky or whatever. Those are the places we, we traveled to for meets a lot. But any, any of the, the universities that we went to where we'd have a track meet and I'd go run, you know, go try to check out the, the Greek, Greek quad, look for the Lambda Chi house, look for the Zeta house, look for whatever, look for just architecture, cool parts of, of what makes this campus unique. Go by the football stadium, whatever the case might be. And the more I started to do that, the more I kind of sort of enjoyed it, kind of sort of looked forward to it. Um, and also I kept learning about some of the finer points of running because I was around coaches all day and I'd listen to them talking to their athletes and doing their job and coaching and encouraging and work on this and see how, see how this person does that and, and try to, you know, correcting. And so then I try to kind of sort of self-correct and, you know, by the, by the end of my two years there, which was really by, by at middle Tennessee, which, you know, was about a year and a half of that was pretty much exclusive with track and cross country. Uh, the last year and a half, uh, by the time I left, like, you know, I'd go for runs in the middle of the day. Um, I'd, I'd take my lunch break and go for a four or five mile run around town. I'd still run usually a little bit at the end of practice. Um, and I was starting to kind of sort of enjoy things a little bit. And that, you know, led into the whole first marathon debacle, which was a debacle, but that at least had me started in thinking that direction of like, well, let me trade for a half marathon. Still have no idea what a marathon was like and how much of an extra thing that was, but at least got me in that road. So that was really how I got my start was that it was at middle Tennessee from, you know, Oh seven to Oh nine. Um, and specifically with the track and cross country teams and just being around them and, and, you know, the coaching staff and throw me a pair of shoes when I needed them. And they'd, you know, like, like it was just super supportive, running community before I knew what the running community was, um, that made me feel right at home, even though I had no business being in their midst from a performance standpoint, it was also like six, seven, eight years older than any of them, at least any of the athletes on the team. So like, you know, I was the old man and they were all 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And I was, you know, 28 and married and, and blah, 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 blah. But like they made me feel at, at home and they, they welcomed me into that running community. Um, and I guess the rest is, uh, is history as, as it were. So that's how I got my start. Hildy, hopefully that, uh, makes, makes a little bit of sense. Um, hopefully it wasn't too long and drawn out, but, uh, thank you for the question. I appreciate it. Next question from Michaela. Are you tired of Melody's ridiculous questions? I plead the fifth. Next question from Kenton. What are your thoughts on these super carbon shoes? They're starting to look ridiculous with how thick and springy they are. Um, I mean, no argument for me, Kenton, no argument for me at all. I, I feel like I've made my my thoughts on the, the carbon shoes, um, pretty clear since day one. Um, but you asked the question, so I'm going to answer it again. I mean, I think that, I think that they're cheating every bit as well. Maybe that's, that's bold, but I think I don't see a difference between the carbon plated shoes and a shot of HGH or a shot of, of anabolic steroids. Like I don't see the difference. 
um, other than somebody has decided that the, the, the advancements in shoe technology are legal and there anybody, there's something anybody can use, but the advancements in blood doping and performance enhancement medicine is for some reason illegal and not, and, and, and not anybody can just get that and choose to use it or not. Um, so other than, than WADA or the USADA or whoever decided that, um, steroids are illegal, but advancements in shoe technology is, is legal. I mean, I don't see a difference. They're performing they're, they're, they're both improvements in performance enhancing technology that give a user of either the shoes or the drugs an advantage over someone with the same similar attributes, the same similar training, the same similar everything else that doesn't use that technology. Um, now, to be clear, I'm not saying that that I, I don't look down on people that wear the carbon shoes any more so than I look than I don't look down on somebody who uses steroids to help run a, a you know a four hour marathon, right, or a three hour marathon. Like, I don't think that the elites should be like I don't know that. It's bold to say that I don't think the elite should be able to wear the shoes because whatever. But I also don't think the elites like, like, and I don't want to say that I don't think the elite should not be drug tested, but like, I just don't see the difference. I just don't see why we're okay with the elites wearing the shoes, but we're not okay with the elites using the drugs. I just don't, I just don't. So, you know, not, maybe I'm, I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm completely missing the boat. Um, but those are, those are my thoughts. Like, like they, they do look ridiculous. Um, and I, I think that there's not much of a difference between taking a needle in the backside than there is to strap it on a pair of the shoes. And so, I mean, I don't have any plans I'm doing either anytime soon, but I don't see the difference more, you know, is the moral of my story. Um, you know, they work, they're effective. They make a difference. So do steroids. Or so do the shoes. Which am I talking about? Um, so yeah, those are my thoughts on the super carbon shoes. They, they haven't changed. I think that they're a performance enhancer. Um, you could say cheating and I wouldn't necessarily push back against you, um, but they're not illegal. So I guess they're not cheating. But at the same time, if I wanted to, to take steroids or blood dope and use that to qualify for, for Boston... I wouldn't be tested, so would I be cheating then? And nobody would know, except for me. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not planning on doing it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to try to get there the old-fashioned way, you know, just by wearing normal shoes and training and getting older and maybe getting faster and, you know, running a BQ. Um, but, yeah, they, they look ridiculous. There's that. Totally agree with you there. And... They give you an advantage, not much dissimilar to me than taking a shot. So, you know, there's that. Those are my thoughts. What do you think, Kenton? Do you agree, disagree with me? Anybody else? I can take it. If you tell me I'm wrong, try to convince me why that that advancement in technology and shoe technology is okay, but the advancement in, you know, biomedical technology that, that, you know, infuses more HGH, try to, you're going to have an uphill battle to convince me that, one is morally superior to the other. Like if you're going to argue that the shoe technology advances and that's just how it is, well then so does, so does biomedical technology. And why can't we take extra testosterone? Why, why is that? We have the technology to do it. Why, why we're, why would we regulate that versus regulate the shoes? I'm open to your arguments, but 
good luck. Good luck. Um, but thank you for the quest- question, Kenton. And, uh, you know, I don't know where you stand on it, but um, I'd be curious. Feel free to let me know. Next question from Kelly. What are your thoughts or I'm sorry, what are your go-to hydration drinks slash tips slash strategies and handheld, bo- handheld bottle, hydration pack, belt, etc. What do you prefer? Um, so when it comes to my thoughts on just hydration in general, um, I mean, this is one of those areas that frustrates me because there's so, you know, there's so many posts out there or so many ex gurus, experts out there that are like, you got to drink X amount per 15 minutes or X amount per hour, or, you know, weigh yourself before, and then make sure you're drinking that much during and like, like it's all just one size fits all. And I am not the biggest fan of one size fits all advice. You know, like, like, yes, you need to drink. It's good to drink. Can our bodies handle a little bit of dehydration when we're running? Yes, they can handle it just fine. You know, somehow, somehow we survived as a species before hydration belts were a thing, right? Before hydration science was a thing. Well, yeah, but Diz, we weren't training for marathons. No, we were out freaking chasing antelope across the Serengeti and we still survived, you know, like without, without drinking every 15 minutes and, and replacing electrolytes. So, so all that to say, I'm not anti-drink. I'm not anti-hydration. I'm not anti any of that type of stuff. I'm just like, can we, can we not overcomplicate what doesn't need to be overcomplicated? If you're thirsty, drink, right? Uh, if you're running a race and it's hot and humid outside, like maybe drink a little bit more. If you're sweating like crazy or if it's a place where it's a dry heat, so you're not sweating as much as you might think you would drink some more, drink even more. Cause you're probably needing it. Your body's going through it. Um, but like, I don't, I don't do the whole, I got to have six ounces every 30 minutes or whatever. I don't even know what the rules of thumb are anymore. Cause they're just nonsense to me. I drink when I'm thirsty. I bring plenty of water with me. If I start to run low, I fill it back up. You know, like, like I'll mix some, some different, you know, element or tailwind or, or whatever, or just salt from the salt shaker. Like, like I mix electrolytes in, add a little salt to my food, make sure I'm, I'm replacing the salts that I'm losing in the summertime year round, quite frankly. Um, you know, I drink, I drink a fair bit of, of liquid every day to try to just maintain good levels of hydration. Maybe that's, maybe that's the ultimate tip, or maybe that's, that's the really only tip that I'm going to give you, Kelly is like, if you make sure you're drinking enough or drinking adequate amounts during the day that you start your runs well hydrated, you got a fighting chance to like not have too many issues with hydration during your run. Especially if we're not running for 18 hours doing some type of crazy long ultra, right? You're running for somewhere between an hour and a half and four hours, five hours, something like that for, for any marathons or things like that. Um, you know, start, start with your, your tank full by just being hydrated throughout the day drink to thirst as you go replenish afterwards. Like that's to me, that's, that's the best strategy instead of worrying about, Oh, I, I, my average sweating rate is, is four ounces per, per, you know, 45 minutes. So I need to make sure that I'm, I'm replacing at least that. Like, come on, who has time to think of that nonsense? Unless you're super sensitive to being dehydrated and, and, or, or getting your electrolytes off, which, which, Maybe there's a small percentage that are, but like it's, it's, it's a small percentage, you know, it's probably less than 1% or maybe it's 1%. I don't know. I'm pulling numbers out, but like, it's not many. It's not like it's 46%. Like it's, it's a fraction of the people are really that sensitive. The rest of us listen to your body, hydrate 365 or think about being hydrated 365 instead of just during that 
hour to four when you're running. And that kind of takes care of things. That said, I do take water with me for most of my runs. If I'm, if I'm running for an hour or less, I usually won't, especially if I'm running pre-dawn when the sun isn't really a big factor. Even when it's hot in the summer, I don't usually take water for those morning runs. Uh, but anything longer than an hour, I'm usually going to take my hydration pack. Uh, I'm an orange mud guy. I've got a, I've got a couple. I've got the, the double barrel and the single barrel, um, which the double barrel just means it carries two bottles. You know, both are 22-ounce bottles, I think. So it carries twice as much as a single single barrel. Um, if I'm going to be out somewhere for a really long time and, or I'm not going to have access to refill, then I'll take the double barrel. You know, again, don't overcomplicate things. You're going to need more water. Take more water. If I'm only going to be out for a couple hours and, or it's not super hot and, or I'm going to be running through town where I know that there's water fountains and I'm gonna have access to refill a bottle. If I need to, then I'll just take the single bottle, right? If I'm, if I'm going for maybe like an hour during the day on a trail, where it's, I probably don't need water, but hey, you never know. You get lost on a trail. It might be a good thing to have. I might take a handheld, right? That carries 12 ounces or something. Um, so I've got, I've got all three. I don't really do the belts anymore, but you know, ultimately, which, which do I prefer? I prefer the, vet, the, the pack because I can hold my phone. I can hold keys. I can hold things in it. Um, but it's, a, it's just a, a comfort factor. You know, whatever, whatever works for you is what works for you. Something that, that fits well on your body. It doesn't move around too much. doesn't chafe, holds enough water, but not too much, you know, whatever. Um, uh, but for me, that's, that's the orange mud packs. Um, I'm, I'm a fan, I'm a fan, but yeah, don't overcomplicate the hydration thing, right? Like if you like just plain water, then just drink plain water, supplement your, your salt somewhere else, take a salt pill, whatever the case might be. If you like elements or tailwind or Gatorade or whatever different products are out there, then, then use those. Okay. Um, just make sure you're, you're well hydrated to begin with, and you've got a lot of wiggle room during your runs. Okay. So there are some thoughts. I hope all that makes sense. I just feel like, and this isn't a dig at you, Kelly, by any stretch. I just feel like this is one of those areas where people, people that, that people just overcomplicate it and it doesn't need to be keep it simple. Trust your instinct. Trust your, trust your body's ability to tell you that you, you need some water and 99% of the time you're good to go. You're good to go. Thanks for the question. Uh, next question from David. Hey, Diz, I know you like coffee and was wondering, is there too much caffeine to have before a run? I like my energy drinks and will have 200 to 300 milligrams when I wake up about 30 minutes before I run. Um, David, you were right. You're not wrong. I do enjoy my coffee. Uh, I don't tend to have any before I run, though. Um, not necessarily because I think it's bad or anything like that, but just because as a heart rate guy, last thing I need to do before I run is to give me some stimulant that's going to jack up my heart rate and make it harder for me to keep my heart rate in the desired zone. So, uh, I don't tend to take any ca caffeine or coffee or anything like that before a run, except for on race day, when I'm not too concerned about my heart rate, I'll have a couple of cups of coffee usually. Um, but as far as, is there too much caffeine? I, I, I hesitate to give any firm answer here because like, I mean, probably there is, um, that said, it kind of depends on, on lots of factors chiefly among them in my uneducated view is how you, you tolerate that much caffeine. Like, so for you having 200 to 300 milligrams, when you wake up before you go out for your run, um, I'm assuming that that means that you go out, you're feeling fine. You're jittery. You're not having any crashes. You're not having any spikes. You're not having any racing heart rates or anything like that, that, that could be a situation where if you have too much caffeine, then you go out and run, you could have some issues. Somebody else, same body size, same body composition, same everything, maybe has 200 
milligrams of caffeine before they go for a run and they try to go run and they just, their heart starts racing. They get lightheaded. They have an issue. So if it works for you, I mean, whatever, um, my only, maybe not my only, but my, my main concern or my main thing to think about would be that caffeine is one of those drugs. And I feel like it's probably like most drugs, although I'm not, I'm not a drug expert of either the legal or the, uh, the controlled substance variety. Um, but I feel like a, a lot of drugs and I know, I know caffeine to be the case is one that our body can build tolerance up to, right? And so if you're having all that caffeine before you go out for a run, eventually you're going to probably need more to have the same effect. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, 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 is a, you may not need it as much as you think you do, but that's probably another discussion for another day. But, but what I'm really trying to say is that maybe err on the side of the least amount that you might need playing with not even having any, and seeing what that does for you, especially for an easy run where perform, you're not, you're not maxing out. You don't need a pre-workout to go for a 45 minute easy recovery run, right? Like, like what, it, I don't mean this anything personal, David, you know, but like, what, what do you, like, what do you need the, the caffeine for before a 45 minute easy run? Like for what? Um, maybe it's mostly psychological, quite frankly. So, you know, maybe on those type of runs, you play with not having any but you're going out to just hammer a speed workout or you're going out to go crush your 5k on a, on race day, or, or even just on a half, like on a race day for a longer distance race. Well, then maybe having the caffeine gives you that little extra boost that, that gives you a little extra, you know, rocket fuel, right? One can make the argument that it's, it's just technology and it's performance enhancing technology, nothing different than, than carbon plated shoes or, or steroids. I mean, one wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> Again, caffeine, a drug that we've decided is legal to take. Clearly a performance enhancer. Um, but maybe use it when it matters most, like it matters most on race day. I don't think it matters most on a speed workout day, but, but if you wanted to make that argument where you're really trying to push, okay, use it those days. So I don't think it's necessarily bad. I don't think it's necessarily too much. To me, it just doesn't make sense to take it before an easy day. And since 99% of my days are easy days, I don't take it ever before a run. But if it works for you, it works for you. And I certainly used to take my coffee before my run, but that was more to try to wake myself up, which I've also learned that coffee in the morning doesn't really do anything to wake you up. You don't need that to wake you up. Your body starts to generate hormones that wake you up when you wake up, especially if the sun's starting to rise, which those of us that wake up before the sun, maybe, maybe we need a little extra boost those days. Uh, but you get that boost from water and your system just waking itself up. Biological clock is strong. Save that coffee for a little later in the day. You get a little more boost from it there, a little more bang for your buck. But what? But but at least that's just what I've read. You know, maybe I don't know. Uh, but again, you like your coffee in the morning. I'm not going to argue with you about that. I have coffee in the morning too. I just also usually been up for a couple of hours and had some water and gone for a run before I have that coffee. But doesn't mean that I'm right. Just that's what works for me. And ultimately, as is, as is often the case around here, what works for you is what matters most. If 200 to 300 milligrams of coffee in your energy drink before your run. 30 minutes after you wake up is what you, is what works for you. Then I'm not going to tell you to stop. I'm not going to tell you to stop. As long as it keeps working for you, keeps working for you. Thanks for the question, David. Hope that, uh, hope that, that didn't turn you off from too much. For, uh, hope that, Let's not kid ourselves. We're not turning ourselves off from coffee or any drinks. It ain't happening. So enjoy and keep it, keep it up. Next question from Lewis. Do you think that antidepressants help with running at all? <laughs> Lewis, you know, um, you ask me questions most every month that I, that are things I've never thought about before. And this is not a criticism. This is, this is a, this is almost a hat tip. 
You know, like you ask me questions about the elites and, and how this scandal or how this person, like, I don't, I don't know. And I don't care. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not going to be that cavalier with this question, but I can honestly say, I've never thought about whether or not an antidepressant could help with running at all. Never thought about it. Never crossed my mind. I recognize that that means that I'm fortunate enough that I don't necessarily have really any issues with depression. I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never taken an antidepressant. I don't hope. That I, I do hope that I never have to take an antidepressant. And I, I hope that this doesn't come across as, as anything but just trying to answer your question with a little bit of fun and, and a little bit of, of thought. But like, I'm not trying to take a dig at anybody, anybody that's on antidepressants. If they're helpful for you, by all means, like, yes, take them. Mental health is, is huge, right? Um, but I have no idea, Lewis. I, I am not a psychiatrist. I am not a medical doctor. I'm not a pharmacist. I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Like I don't know pharmacologically at all if they would have any impact on running. I don't know. I, I could wager a guess and it would be a guess. And I don't know. Okay. That said, I would like, and and so many people have talked about running, kind of helping them with their mental health, right? And being a a key component to that. Um, I could see a scenario where somebody might be like, might say that, yeah, running helps me with my depression. Running might help me with my, my mental health. But from the little that I do know about depression, and it's little, it's little. I could, I feel like I could see a scenario where somebody could be so in the grips of depression that even though they know that getting out the door and going for a run would help them, they just can't do it. And so in that situation, to your question, I could see antidepressants helping with running because it could be that, that thing that helps somebody who's really struggling with the depression. The antidepressant can help them feel a little bit better, be a little bit more in control of, of how they're feeling and a little bit less in, in the grip of the depression. And that helps them get out the door and go for that. That helps them to just do their run. It helps them to literally start running. And then the running can, can potentially, hopefully theoretically do what it does and help us with our hormones on that front and feeling better and cortisol and all that type of thing that, that yeah, we feel good afterwards. So in that sense, maybe, and it's all speculation. That's all very non-expert thought process. Um, do you, I think antidepressants help with, I mean, I don't know, but in that situation, I feel like that would help with, that could help somebody. So maybe yes. Performance wise. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. And on a, on a subject that could be as, as, as sensitive as depression and medication to help with depression, I feel like it'd be irresponsible to wage too many, to wager too many uneducated guesses. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to wade into it any farther than that. Um, but I, I hope that, I hope that you keep the questions coming, Lewis, the, the, the really good questions. And one of these times, one of these times I'm going to surprise you because you're going to ask, ask one of these questions and I'm actually going to have thoughts on it. I'm actually going to have an informed opinion on it. Um, it just wasn't this month yet again. <laughs> but thank you for the question, Lewis. I appreciate it. Uh, Lewis, follow-up question. Also, how is the move coming along? Kind of already answered that one. It's not so far. I mean, we've got some stuff packed up. Um, got, have gotten rid of some junk, have sold some things. 
Um, more to come, especially once we can get a, a good offer on the house, um, because that'll, you know, light a little bit of a fire, um, to, to finish everything up. Right. So, um, but right now we're kind of at a standstill, uh, but hopefully that will change soon. Next question from Thessaly. Has anyone actually been kicked out of the Facebook group? If so, what happened to lead up to it? If not, yay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, as I mentioned there at the beginning, uh, I knew this question was coming. Uh, and yeah, there have been a, few, a handful of folks that have been kicked out of the Facebook group. Um, and, and, and in most of the cases, um, the, the circumstances were pretty similar. I think there was one, there was like one or two people that like, were just posting just nonsense, just like, I mean, not even like good nonsense, just like, like weird video stuff, like just weird. Um, not necessarily inappropriate. I mean, kind of inappropriate for a running group, but not like, not like violent or, you know, not anything that would get you like banned by Facebook, but just like weird videos. And that, you know, that was like early days gone, no factor. Um, but more recently there's been a handful of folks, um, that like join the group, never post anything. And then like, you know, they, they, promote their race or they promote their podcast or they promote, they promote their thing, whatever their thing is. They, they put a post out. Hey, I, I did this new thing. Come check it out. And it's like, bro, or sis. Cause there's been, there's been both, both males and females that have done this. It's like, yo, I mean, y'all are in the group. Y'all don't mind. Y'all know that I don't mind. If you, if you do something like you can promote it a little bit, that's cool. But like, make sure you're like actively engaged in the group. Make sure that you're commenting and showing up and asking questions. And like, just, just if you're like, if you're engaged in the group and you've got something that you're doing, you're doing a fundraiser or you, you know, like, Hey, my local running club is doing this. Do you mind if I post it in case anybody else lives local? Like, no, I don't mind. Right. But when you literally do nothing, you literally engage on zero posts. You literally do nothing until your next podcast episode gets released. And then you post, Hey, come check out my podcast. It's in this place, in this place, in this place, in this place. And then I see the post and I delete it. And then two weeks later, your next episode comes out and you do it again and I delete it. And then a few weeks later you do it again. And, and then I delete it and you get blocked. Like, it's just like, like I'm not, I'm not that, I don't think I'm that insecure as to think that like, Oh my God, somebody posted their podcast link in my Facebook group. And now everybody that listens to my show is going to like abandon the show to go listen to like, "Ah, whatever, you know, Lord knows I I'm subscribed to a lot of podcasts. Like it's, it's okay. You can, you're welcome to like other running podcasts. Y'all it's okay. Um, but like, don't come into my group. And I, I hate to even say it that way. Don't come into our group, our group, not contribute to it at all. And then try to use this thing that we have built together to like, as a shortcut to help you build your thing, like come engage in our group, come be an active part of our group. And then when it's like, Hey, you know, I, I just launched this podcast. If anybody wants to, you know, looking for another podcast, I'd love to get you to come listen to it. Then cool. Hopefully some people will come listen to it, but you don't, you don't, you don't just come in and just be like, Hey, buy my thing, check out my thing, listen to my thing and never engage, well, then you're just going to get crickets and you're just going to get kicked out. That's simple. That's simple. Don't be a, don't be a douche. It's like our chief rule. 
right? It's like the, the chief uh, guideline rule that we have that everybody sees in that welcome, welcome post. The chief rule of the group, don't be a douche. One of my definitions of being a douche is just coming in and, and blatantly promoting, self-promoting without ever engaging, without ever encouraging, without ever doing anything else. That's, you're being a douche. You're gone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that's, that's predominantly what is led. And, it, and I'm not saying like, it's not like this has happened hundreds of times. It's probably been four or five times, maybe 10 in total, but realistically probably like five, six times. It's been very few, very few and far between, um, that that type of thing has happened. Part two from Thessaly. Do you have any podcast episodes or themes that you are super excited to record? Um, <laughs> no, no. Um, not because I don't have anything lined up that I'm excited about. Not because I, I'm just going through the motions because I hope that I'm not doing that. Um, but because in order to have episodes or themes in mind that I'm super excited to record, it would mean that by definition, I would have to like plan in advance and, and line things up and get things ready for the future. And Thessaly, you've been around long enough to know that's just not how things work for me. <laughs> That there is no like, oh yeah, it's almost July and like I can't wait for this series that I'm going to run in September. Are you kidding me? I haven't figured out what I'm going to do in July yet, and July is a week away, so I'm going to worry about that next. And when I when the idea comes, I hope it to be a great idea. I hope it to be a great theme, and I'll be super excited to record it. I just don't have any of those thoughts in mind just yet because. We're still worried about the June Q&A episode. And once that gets taken care of, then I'll turn my attention to what we're going to do in July and go from there. So yeah, I don't, I don't plan far enough in, in, in advance to be excited about things still to come. I just hope, hope in a prayer that when the inspiration for what's to come strikes, it'll be good enough that I'm excited for it. And most of the time, that's how it works out. So stay tuned and we'll both be surprised by what next week's episode is all about. Because literally, no idea. No idea what next week's QT is going to be about other than there will be one. TBD. TBD. Thanks for the questions, my lady. Hope things are well in, uh, in Washington. We're just in your state for like a hot second between the airport and the port. Um, but uh, beautiful out there. Beautiful out there. Next time, hopefully we can bump into each other while when I'm in Washington. But like I said, no plans because no plans. But someday I'll probably be out there again. And when I am, hopefully we can see you. All right. But thanks for the questions. Leslie. appreciate it. All right. Next question. This one from Diana. Is there a difference in what happens, AKA the effects of foam roller versus a massage stick? I have both and tend to use the massage stick. It's on the table next to my recliner. I can grab it, use it and be done. Um, but does it, does it really matter? Um, or is it just a personal preference? So in general, Diana, I would, I would say that they're more or less, you know, six and one and half a dozen of the other. Uh, lots of overlap in the Venn diagram between the foam roller and the massage stick. That said, you know, like like most tools, there are some things that that I feel like the foam roller is better suited for than the massage stick. You know, and some things, quite frankly, that I think the massage stick works better on than the foam roller. And then, like I said, and then I think there's a lot that, you know, more or less kind of works, works well together. But as far as physiological effect, I mean, there's not a, there's not a major difference, you know, as long as you're getting in to the same relative depth, uh, of the massage, then, then it's going to, you know, kind of get the same 
relative physiological benefits, increased blood flow, breaking up adhesions, uh, those types of things. So, you know, kind of what, what, what are maybe the areas that are, would be maybe better suited for one versus the other is maybe the best way to answer your question. I, I think that, that like glutes, it's really, at least it's hard for me to use the massage stick and really get into my glutes like I can when I'm sitting on the foam roller and I can just kind of lean to one side and really, you know, just use gravity and my body weight to really, really get in there a little bit more on the foam roller than I can with the massage stick. Now, maybe I'd make the argument that even like a massage ball, a lacrosse ball, or one of the, the, you know, some of the various types of, of lacrosse balls, different products that are out there, that might be even better because there's less surface area than on the foam roller. So you can really get into a, a, a more, you know, fleshy area, like, like your glutes with the ball than you can even with the foam roller. And that's, and that's where having some different tools, not that you need to get them all at once, but having some different tools can be valuable. You know, you start with the foam roller and the stick, and those are great for your quads and your calves and your, your hamstrings. Personally, I think I get a better work, a, a better a bit of work done on the, on the foam roller, just again, because gravity, you know, I can just use that to kind of sit and relax into it versus trying to, to really hammer on the, the massage stick. But if you're getting a good, good impact with the, with the stick, then, then that's fine. Um, but you know, those areas kind of work pretty well interchangeably, but then you get the ball for maybe the glutes or you, you, you use, I, I like the, the stick for like my shins, you know, that those less fleshy areas where the bone is right there. And it's a little bit e- easier to kind of hit the spots that you need to hit, but not just hammer on the, the shin bone as well. Um, works great there. Um, so, so ultimately, you know, the, the impact is about the same, but where you can get, I mean, I can get my back with the foam roller that I can't get with the massage stick. So again, different body parts, maybe there's, there's just a a functional benefit. Uh, Functionally there, there is more beneficial to have one versus the other, but for the main, the main lower body running muscle groups, the quads, the hamstrings, the calves, um, as long as you can, you know, get a little elbow grease going with the foam roller and really get in there, you're good. You know, if you want to be able to relax a little bit more, try to relax your muscles and just kind of let it penetrate a little bit deeper, then maybe the foam roller is better. But ultimately, and this is the, the key point, ultimately the modality doesn't matter as much as the fact you're actually doing it, right? So, you know, if you're more likely to use the massage stick than you are to get, to, to get on the foam roller then stay on the, stay on the chair, stay on the couch, use the massage stick and use it consistently. That's going to put you more farther ahead, more farther. Yeah. It's still early, more farther ahead than, uh, using the foam roller once in a while. So there you go. As long as you're using one or the other or both, you're getting the benefit and that's what matters. So thanks for the question, Diana. Keep it up. Keep it up. Cause Lord knows some of us, he says, talking mostly about himself don't use either tool as often as maybe we should. So thanks for the question, Diana. Next few questions coming from Pam. Uh, Pam asks, how often slash how much should runners be doing weight training every day, a few times per week? What's your routine? So this is one of those, those questions, Pam, that's, that's, that's a loaded question, quite frankly. Um, how much should runners be doing strength training or weight training? I mean, like, in a perfect world, all things equal, and you know, spoiler alert, we don't live in a perfect world, and all things are not equal. But in that scenario, 
I mean, yeah, you know, doing doing weight training most days, you know, four or five days a week is probably ideal, but it depends. It depends on how you're training and it depends on, on, I don't know. I mean, again, in that perfect world scenario, maybe you would do a lower body day and an upper body day and you'd kind of ping pong those. So you'd get whole body work done every couple of days and you'd get, you know, five or six days of strength training consistently where you're getting half the time upper body, half the body, half the time, lower body, right? Like maybe that would be ideal. At least that would be my ideal because I don't like doing strength training work for an hour or longer. Maybe you just want to do it, you know, two or three times a week, but you're going to do a full, um, you know, 45 minutes to an hour getting the whole body that works in the real world where we don't have unlimited time and unlimited flexibility and unlimited options in terms of gyms or routines or weights at home or whatever, you know, take, take what you can get. I think that, that if you're not doing any strength training at all, starting with one day a week is going to be a good place to start. Um, that, that, and that might seem kind of low to some of us, but it's, it's where we start, start pushing your body a little bit that way. Give your body a time to adapt to the strength training. And then you maybe add a second time per week. Maybe you get up to a third time a week, just kind of hitting a whole body, you know, 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, a whole body work, you know, two or three times a week. And that'll make a, make a difference. It'll make an impact. Um, but, but kind of like Diana's question with the foam rolling, like, like foam rolling versus the massage stick, you know, it doesn't matter as much as, as just the fact that you're doing it. Like, I think that the first thing for runners is that like, we should be doing strength training. Like it's, it's helpful. It's helpful for us as runners. It's helpful for us just to be healthy human beings, which not for nothing also helps us as runners. So, so doing that is good. You know, getting, getting a whole body routine done where you're getting your lower body, you're getting the upper body, maybe getting some core work in there as well. Although a, like a lot of exercises, maybe not so much exercise machines, but a lot of like free weight or body weight exercises, squats, lunges, push-ups, pulls, rows, things like that. Um, you're going to get some, some core work snuck in there. So you don't need to maybe do as much core work as specific core work because you're kind of getting core work with every exercise, but that's, that's maybe, you know, a little more detail than we need to, but you know, getting, getting a whole body routine in a couple times a week is like, I don't want to say is the bare minimum because you know, like one is still better than zero. Two is probably better than one. You start going into three, four, five times a week. And like, especially if you're doing whole body with each session, well, now maybe that's too much, you know, because you kind of want to make sure you have a, a day off in between for your body to re, to recover a little bit, especially if you're, you know, hitting those, those squats and lunges for the first few times, like your legs are going to be sore even, and maybe especially like, I mean, like I do body weight stuff and like, I'm sore the next day, you know, uh, you start adding weights to the mix and I'm sore. I'm more sore the next day. So like having a couple days in between is, is not a bad idea. What is my routine? Well, my routine has been a hot freaking mess lately, but in, in, in the normal times, you know, when I'm not dealing with an injury and trying to get the house ready to sell and getting ready to move and all of the things that have conspired to help me get off of my routine in the last six weeks or so, um, in the before times I was doing strength training five days a week, Monday through Friday, um, somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes each day. Monday, Wednesday, Friday were typically upper body days. Tuesday, Thursday were, were the, the days that I was most consistent were Tuesday and Thursday. And those are my lower body days. Um, days that, that were key to me as, as, as far as being focused on for the running. But again, like I want to be a healthy person 
right? I want to, I want to be able to pick up the groceries and, and, uh, you know, just move things around the house and do, do, you know, do upper body work. So I do upper body work, you know, and I do that typically on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if I'm going to miss a day during the week, it's usually one of those days. Um, but that's, that's my routine. It's 15, 20 minutes at most. I, I, I rarely, if ever do strength training that's longer than 20 minutes, it's just, it just doesn't like, I can't, I mean, I could, but I would rather not to, um, but if you can't, you know, my, my schedule is pretty flexible, right? I, I've got a lot of, of ability to kind of squeeze things in throughout the day. No big deal. Um, you know, if you've got to carve out a little bit more of a time, you know, Tuesday, Thursday for 45 minutes, 30, 30 minutes, even 20 minutes, that's a full body routine. That'll get you somewhere. And then you can always build upon it. Um, but you know, strength training for runners. I know it's a touchy subject. I know it's something that, that more and more, I think we're starting to recognize is beneficial is helpful but it's still something that not everybody really enjoys doing like we like to run, but the strength training not only helps with the running, but it helps with the life, you know, like you gotta, you gotta pick up the groceries. You gotta pick up the bag of dog food. You know, you gotta pick up the kids sometimes, especially when they're younger. Um, and strength training helps just make sure that those things can happen without issues because, you know, we've all heard stories, or at least I think we've all heard stories of, you know, some, super random fluky thing that you get injured for, you know, picking the, the suitcase up in the airplane in the airport or in the airplane and sticking it in the overhead bin and you twist just a little bit wrong and, and like your back spasms for three weeks. Like not that strength training guarantees that those types of things will never happen, but like it becomes less of a hoist to, to pick up your, your roller bag. Right. Which means it's less likely that something's going to, going to tweak a little bit. Um, and, and not for nothing, but that, you know, back spasm from the airport, um, is just as likely to keep you out of running for a few weeks as, you know, a, a case of it band issues, you know, and the it band issues can be resolved or can be minimized, maybe not always resolved, but certainly can be minimized with some regular strength training too. So big fan of strength training around here, even if the last few weeks have been a little bit hit and miss for me. Um, but my routine, ideally Monday through Friday, I really go out of my way to make it happen Tuesday and Thursday, uh, as those are more running specific strength training exercise days for me. Um, but just doing something greater than doing nothing. And then you can kind of optimize it as you go. Thanks for the question, Pam. Next one also from Pam. Uh, if you only had time for one, is it more important to stretch before or after a run? So again, something that, uh, that, that, I think I've talked about before, but I'm always happy to, to refresh because I think it's important to, to, in my opinion, get this right. Now you might argue that this isn't the right, this isn't a right or wrong situation, but I think it's, I think to your, to your question, more important and to me more beneficial would be to stretch after a run. Why? Because at that point, your muscles are, are loose and warm and, and our muscles are, are elastic, pliable things, right? Structures, tissues, and so stretching them when they're warmed up, when the blood has been flowing, um, A, they're going to stretch more and B, you're less likely to, to injure yourself or to, to have some type of, of little tweak or niggle that happens. Um, also from a performance standpoint, especially for like a race or if you're trying to, to really run hard, doing a hard workout, stretching before a run actually impairs performance. And I'll, I'll save you all the the, the messy physiology of it, but it has to do with you stretch the muscle out and it makes them less responsive to stimulus in the short term, not in the long term, but in the short term. And so when you, when your when your brain sends the electrical signals to your muscle, it takes a, a tick longer. And I mean, not that you can notice it, not that you can measure, like, not that you can measure it just by like 
well, God, I tried to tell my, my leg to run and it didn't want to do it. Like, no, 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 it's not that. But like slightly delayed response and also slightly less uh, forceful, less power. And we want those strong muscle contractions when we're trying to run fast and we're trying to do a, a hard 5K or a hard you sprint you know, re- type of repeat workout. Um, so stretching before that actually can reduce your performance. Before a run, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'll bring it up here even though you didn't ask. I'm a big fan of something dynamic, some type of dynamic movement, whether it's squats or lunges or leg swings or just walking a little bit or doing high knees or doing some drills or whatever, something that, that loosens up the body and gets, gets the, the joints moving and the muscles firing, but it's a, it's a low stress situation. Um, just to do the exact, that exact thing, warm up the body, get, get the muscles ready to go. Then you can get off in your run. And then if you've got a couple minutes at the end and you can stretch, that is ideal as far as I'm concerned. And again, as often the case around here, I am wearing my hypocritical hat today because I rarely stretch immediately after a run. Never say never, (laughs) but let's just say, uh, I don't stretch as much post run as I probably should. Uh, I don't make that part of my cool down routine, even though maybe it would benefit me. It just doesn't happen for me. So, um, but I don't stretch before my run either. I, I do my warm up. I get my lunges and my leg swings. And then usually after a run, I'm walking around, making coffee, putzing around the house, doing some dishes, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I do kind of have that cool down built in. Um, but stretching just isn't, frankly, it's not the, pri- it's not a priority for me. Um, I get a little bit of calf stretching here and there throughout the day. Sometimes, uh, maybe get on the yoga mat once in a while, but, uh, yeah, I've shifted away from stretching as much to doing more, 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 more mobility work. Apparently I need to work on the mobility of my tongue because I can't even form words sometimes, but that's, that's kind of the focus of my quote unquote stretching is more joint, joint mobility, less muscle stretching. We'll see how that shakes itself out, but that kind of comes more from ready to run supple leopard books. I talked about a few weeks ago on a quick tip. Um, if you want to understand why I've made that shift. Last question from Pam, best tips and advice for home buying and selling. Oy vey. I wish I had some good advice here because apparently what we've been doing hasn't been working because we are still not selling, which means we are still not buying. I mean, we're, we're still listed for sale. We're still trying to sell. Um, but as of right now, um, we haven't, we haven't sold anything yet. Um, best, but best advice. Don't be greedy. That's, that's the best advice, especially for selling your house. Um, you know, like if, if you're, if you're bound and determined to get top dollar for your house, um, like you might have to be, you might be, you're going to have to be willing to be patient for a while, more than likely. Now, every once in a while you hear these stories of like, oh yeah, they listed and just somebody came in, you know, the second day with 20,000 more than the listing price. Yeah. That didn't happen for us. Um, but we did have an offer and we, we did the counter dance a little bit and, and ultimately their, their final counter to us was, was a few thousand dollars more than what Rebecca and I kind of like, if we can get to this number, like that's, that's all right. And then we hemmed and hawed on it for a couple of days, like waiting to see if somebody else would come in with a better offer. And then they didn't. So we were like, yeah, we'll take the offer. And by that point they were like, yeah, we're not so sure anymore. So we were like, potentially, you know, anything can still happen in, in that process, but like potentially we could already be under contract, uh, halfway to closing date. Um, and, and because we hemmed and hawed over a couple thousand dollars, like, and I don't even want to say that we were greedy, but uh, you know, maybe we were being greedy. Maybe we should have just taken it 
probably should have, in hindsight, we should have just taken it. So there's, there's some advice for selling your house. Like get, get a number that you're, that you're okay with. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to give my house away, uh, because we need to buy a new house and that's a, a big piece of that puzzle. But you know, it, it, a couple thousand dollars, like you, like, you know, don't need to necessarily be greedy. Um, which maybe we were, maybe we were as for buying. I, I think that, um, you need to be realistic. Like if you want all the things, location and all the space and all the functionality and blah, 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 blah. Like you're going to have to pay top dollar. And if that's cool, then that's cool. But if you're, if you're trying to stick to a budget a little bit, you know, what, what are your two or three absolute musts? And then you need to be willing to be flexible on everything else. Um, because you can get the, the perfect location with the rundown house and maybe still afford it, or you can get the, the perfect house and the less than, less than ideal location and maybe still afford it. But to get both, at least for me, can't necessarily afford that. So you're like, what are we going to be flexible on? Uh, what are, what are we not going to be flexible on? Um, and then, then the ultimate bit of advice for me is try not to move very often. <laughs> That's it's such a pain in the took us. Um, but we're in it hopefully in the next, you know, hopefully by the time we do this in July, uh, we'll be close to being out of it and having already sold the house and hopefully almost into the new house. And then we can just plan to be there for the better part of another decade. Since we were at this house for you know almost 13 years, by the time it's going to be all said and done, I feel like that's, that's, that's even more frequent moving than I would prefer. But you know, some of you, some of you folks that buy and sell every couple few years, like, I, I don't know how you do it. Um, but whatever works for you works for me, I guess, or whatever works for you works for you. And it doesn't matter whether or not it works for me, but there's some, some thoughts on the process so far, Pam. And, and hopefully, um, hopefully we'll be through it soon. And then I can maybe give some different advice based on what has actually worked as opposed to what I wish I would have done a couple of weeks ago, but there you go. Thanks for the questions, m'lady. And uh, congrats on signing up for that first marathon. I'm super excited for you. Um, and can't wait to see how it goes for you. Next question from Natasha. Our next two questions, both from Natasha. One, any supplements that you use and love? I mean, not, not really. Um, I use, I use protein. I, I use the Jocko Mulk protein powder, um, as kind of a, I guess that's a supplement, right? I have a protein shake most days. Um, so, so maybe that's a supplement. Um, but outside of that, you know, multivitamin, um, occasionally, like I'm not super consistent with that. Um, I take vitamin D somewhat. Okay. Usually when I remember to take my vitamins, I take my vitamin D supplement as well. Um, not that I necessarily need it because I get plenty of vitamin D from outside usually. Um, but you know, like I'm just not sold on supplements. Like I, some, sometimes I feel like, yeah, maybe they're helpful. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm just wasting my money. Um, I don't really know. So, so yeah, I, I'm certainly not going to massively recommend any here. Um, you know, if you use them and you feel like they're valuable, cool. If you're like, yeah, dude, you're wasting your money. I mean, I get that argument. Um, so yeah, sorry. That's a terrible answer, Natasha. Um, but it's an honest one. You know, I don't really have any, like I use the protein, um, and that's the only one that's really consistent in my life. And some might even argue that, that a protein shake isn't, doesn't count as a supplement. I kind of feel like it does, but you know, if you want to split those hairs, I'm not going to fight you on it. Uh, other question. Second question going to Colorado in a couple of weeks and have heard the altitude can be difficult for running any ways to make running easier in higher elevation. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, a couple of things, and, and a couple of people chimed in with uh, stressing the importance of hydrating. You know, when you get up to the higher elevations, usually the air is a little bit thinner. Usually humidity is not as much of a factor, and it's real easy to lose liquids through sweat without really noticing that you're sweating. Or you might be feel like, oh, I'm just sweating just a little bit, but it's because so much of it evaporates before you even really realize that, it, that it's, you know, that you're losing any. So it can be easy to get dehydrated, and that can definitely... Being, being low on hydration can lead to some altitude issues. So definitely, you know, just drinking lots of water is, is important. Um, but the other thing is, is, or maybe the more running focused thing is that, especially if you get up pretty high, like, yeah, it's going to be like, like the air is, is thinner. I mean, it just is. And so there's less oxygen and that makes it harder. So slow down, you know, and, and, Maybe it may use it as an excuse to stop for pictures. You know, if you're out, out in the mountains or, you know, in Denver or somewhere where there's a pretty skyline or, or cool architecture or whatever the case might be, like stop and take pictures of things you see along the way. And that way you're going to get that little break, you know, every half a mile or three quarters of a mile or however often you see something. So you stop and you get a photo here and you stop and get a photo there. And, oh, there's a, there's a public water fountain. Let me stop and get a drink there. And so you're just kind of like breaking in or breaking up your run with these little, you know, 10 second, six second, 14 second little breaks where you can catch your breath and bring your heart rate back down just a little bit and, and make it a little bit easier. So, you know, and, but I guess, I guess maybe the other thing is that like, if it really is a struggle, like don't overreact, you know, which is easy, easy to say, hard to sometimes do. But, you know, if you're used to running, I'm just going to make up numbers, Natasha. I don't know if this is anywhere close to accurate for you. doesn't matter. Scale it up, scale it down, whatever. But if you're used to running pretty comfortably, low heart rate, feels easy at 10 minute per mile pace, and you get out there and you're, and you're struggling at 11 minute pace, it's probably the altitude, right? So just back it off even more. Maybe do your run-walk interview, intervals. Um, like I said, stop for photos, whatever. Don't freak out. You'll get back to sea level where you're, where, or wherever you, you, you're used to being, uh, the altitude that you're used to being at, and your body will be like, oh, yeah, there's oxygen again. And you'll be right back to that 10-minute pace. Or again, scaled up or down wherever you are. So um, have fun. Enjoy, the, enjoy running in a different location. Enjoy some different scenery. Um, enjoy some different altitude. And if it, if it poses a little bit of a problem or a little bit of a, of a challenge... Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Don't overthink it. Dial it back. Have fun and trust that you're still getting a benefit. I promise you, you're still getting a benefit. All right. Have fun out there though. Colorado is beautiful. Um, it's been a while since I've been there, but enjoy, enjoy your time out West and uh, safe travels. And thanks for the questions. Next question from Chris short. Speaking of safe travels, Hope you made it to Iowa okay, which I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit. If you could pick any state to run through half of, which one would you pick first and which do you think would be the worst? So, um, you know, uh, which I guess in context, why why he's going to be in Iowa, since this kind of ties into this question. Uh, Chris is, is part of the MS Run the U.S. relay team this year, and he is running, you know, something like 200 miles through half of Iowa or whatever, whatever his mileage is. Um, you know, 30 miles a day for seven, eight days. So I guess that's 200 plus miles. Um, you know, I, I think if I was going to run through, I would, I would want some variety in the States that I would be running halfway through. Um, now 
part of me, the, the logical side of me says I'd want to pick a smaller state because, you know, running through a long state would be like, that's a lot of miles to run halfway through. But assuming all states are about equal, which clearly they're not, but I, I don't think the distance is, is what we're going through here. It's more of what, what would be the scenery, what would be the, the landscape, things like that. I think, I think somewhere in New England or maybe mid-Atlantic north, somewhere on the, on the east coast or east-ish coast that, that has, some, has some topography but not like massive mountains – um, it's going to have some different changes in scenery. Maybe there's some, some wooded areas. Maybe there's some coastal areas, things like that. that could, it's just going to kind of break things up a little bit would be the ideal. Um, pick a state. I mean, I don't know, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. This is all hypothetical. So I don't have to, I don't have to play by your rules. Uh, but pick a state. How about, um, Oh, how about Maine? You know, um, Cause then I can get some lobster when I get to the, when I get to the coast, uh, get plenty of forests, get some hills, get some mountains, get a little bit of this, maybe see a moose. Um, you know, that wouldn't be bad. Probably wouldn't be too hot if I had to pick a state, but any, any new England ish state, any, you know, Northern New York, um, upstate, uh, you know, down into Maryland, Delaware, I've never been to Delaware and that's a short state. So that might be a good one. Um, but anywhere, you know, probably North Carolina, Virginia, any, any of those types of states would be, would have what I would be looking for. Different terrains, different type of kind of climate areas or, or different type of, of, you know, forests and, and open areas and various things like that, which I think would be fun. Um, the states that would be, would be the worst. Sorry, Chris, Iowa might be one of them. Um, and no offense to all of you Iowites. What, what is Iowans? Probably Iowans, right? No offense to all you Iowans out there. Um, or Iowites, if, if that's the proper terminology. Um, but, but some of the, the plains states would be, would be tough because for the, basically the exact opposite reason, right. Or maybe the same reason, but just the opposite end of the spectrum of just the, the, the lack of variety. Um, and I can't speak to every state of course, and I can't speak to every location in every state, but I think that the, the worst state on my list wouldn't necessarily be Iowa, but would be its neighbor to the West would be Nebraska. Um, because what I've seen of Nebraska and Dan and everybody else in, the, in Nebraska, uh, apologies, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that your state is fantastic and I'm looking forward to coming to Nebraska at some point and running a marathon. Uh, but I'm not necessarily looking forward to coming and running half, half of Nebraska. Uh, but my memory of Nebraska is that interstate 80, I believe runs relatively East and West the entire length of, uh, of the state. And after, I don't know, I, I believe the number in my head, correct me if I'm wrong, is 440 miles. I've driven it a couple times. Maybe it's 480, but I believe it's 440 or 442, something like that. Um, and I believe after you get through about 100 miles, maybe 150, somewhere in there, you're, you're, you're through Omaha, you're through Lincoln, and then there's just nothing, basically. There's some fields. And then you get to like, you know, if I'm going west, at least, obviously, you, you in Nebraska, you understand which which direction I'm going when I when I say some of these things. Uh, but you're going west, you know, you get through those cities in the first couple of hours of driving, and then you've got like five more hours where like three of them are fields, corn mostly, memory serves, and then you've got like a hundred miles, hundred and fifty miles of just like scrub nothing land between the fields and and the Rocky Mountains. And it's just like, I remember driving through and being a hundred miles from the border 
and just saying, I want to be out of here in an hour and literally setting the cruise control at a hundred and just cruising and like seeing like four cars. Uh, we ran into some construction at some point. So it took us like an hour and 15 minutes, but like we were making good time until we got into the construction zone and then you had to slow down. Um, but it was just boring. It was boring to drive a hundred miles an hour through. I can't imagine how boring it would be to run five miles an hour through. So yeah, Nebraska, sorry, but Nebraska is on my list of states. I'd rather not run through half of Iowa might be a close second. Um, yeah, but most, most of those states, you know, sorry, sorry, Fargo in, sorry, Lesterberg, sorry, Barb Fargo's probably on there. Nebraska, North Dakota. Sorry. I'll get there. Eventually North Dakota is probably on the list. South Dakota is probably on the list. Um, Kansas is probably on the list. Although Kansas has some hills, so we, we at least have that going for us and maybe a few cities, but also mostly the cities are on the, the, the West coast, you know, West, West border. And then you just got lots of, lots of miles with sunflower fields and rolling hills. I mean, it's not like it'd be the worst thing, but I'd rather be in Maine. So good luck. Good luck getting through the cornfields, Chris, and watch out for the pigs. Lots of that in Iowa. Lots of that in Iowa. We'll get some more questions from you soon because apparently your household did things this month with asking all the questions. See the first like seven questions from Melody in case you forgot. <laughs> Good luck, my friend. Next, next from Candy. I would like to be like Tom and have a trifecta. So I came up with three questions. All right, Candy, that's very welcome. Um, and we'll give you, we'll give you a nickname if, if this starts to become a, a, a pattern, right? But Tom was many, many months into the, the three question situation before it became the Tom trifecta. So I don't know what the, 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 the candy conglomerate, something, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with some type of, uh, of, of catchy little thing for you if you make this a routine, but if not, if it's just a one-off, Hey, ask your three questions. I'm excited for them. But, uh, thanks. Thanks for, uh, getting a little bit uh, creative here and coming up with a, with a few questions. First one from candy. Um, I've been running halves for a long time, but I'm always wanting to learn and improve. What kind of foods would you recommend the day before a half marathon? Oh man. You know, this is one of those questions where my answer for what works for me may or may not be of any value to you. I think that ultimately it's what, what works best for you, you know, like, like, and it's, it's trial some different things. And apparently if all these stupid freaking reels that I'm seeing on Instagram are to be, uh, believed everything I do is wrong. And I should, I like, there's no way that I can run because I don't do all the things that all these, um, nutrition influencers are trying to make me believe that you have to do for running. Sorry. I'm, I've been so I've had it with Instagram. Um, feel free to continue to slide into the DMS. I'll keep posting some stuff there, but I am, I am over Instagram in a big way because of the freaking reels that just like, I can't get rid of them. I can't get rid of them. I hate them. I hate them. Where was I? Um, when it comes to food the day before a half marathon, um, I think that, that, you know, as, as real as you can get as, as non-processed as you can get, um, is, is always a good answer. I mean, I feel like that's how you should, that's how I try to eat every single day. Um, not that that means that everything is unprocessed and real. Like I still have some junk and some, some processed food here and there. Um, but just, just trying to eat real food as much as possible. Things that you like, things that, that set well on your, on your stomach. Um, for me, the day before a race, like, like I like to try to avoid lots of fried things. Um, so I might have some, you know, like, like rotisserie chicken is kind of my go-to the night before any type of, of longer, longer distance race. Um, maybe some fruit. Um, you know, that's, that's usually about it. 
maybe maybe a little bit of of you know some carrots or some some type of broccoli, some type of veg, uh, but nothing nothing much more than that. Um, you know, other people I know really dig like some sweet potatoes or uh, you know something that's got a little more starch to it. That's not my jam, but hey, again, whatever works for you is what works for you. Um, but kind of play with those things that, that feel right, that, that set in your stomach. All right. That don't give you any type of GI issues in the morning. Uh, cause that's obviously one of the last things you want on race day is to be getting ready to go. And then, you know, two miles in, you gotta, you gotta do the, the hobble, the hobble wobble, uh, to get to the, the porta potty in hopes of, of avoiding any, uh, premature evacuations. Um, but you just kind of got to figure that out as, as you go. Um, you know, some people are, are into to steak. Some people like breakfast foods. Um, again, it just kind of depends on, on what kind of things you like and what kind of, of foods set all right in your, in your stomach. Uh, and, and sometimes it takes a little trial and error to figure that thing out or figure out the right mix for you. Um, but hopefully that at least helps, you know, but at least gets you, gets you started, but you're going to have to kind of try, try a few different things. Or if you know some things to avoid, well, yeah, avoid them. Even if somebody, even if some nonsense, reels are on Instagram says you should eat this, but you know, it doesn't work for you. Then don't, don't eat it. Stop listening to those clowns. I guess you can make an argument. I'm one of those clowns, but Oh, I hope not. I hope I'm not one of those clowns. Anyway, next question from candy. How long should I be warming up before a half marathon? It, it, it really, it, it depends it, like a lot of things. It depends on, on what your goals are for the race. If you're going out there trying to hammer it from the start and, and run, you know, real even splits and, and, and set a personal best, then you probably want to warm up a little bit more beforehand. If you're out there to run and to have fun and maybe you still have a time goal, but it's not like something that, that requires everything to be down to the second, you can keep that first mile or two as kind of, kind of as your warm up. So, so you, you're, you're, you know, maybe you're doing something, you're walking to the, to the, you know, starting line, maybe a couple of lunges or a couple of kind of whatever, a couple of whatever's that would fit into your normal warm up routine. Like that's still a good idea. Get the body loosened up a little bit, but you don't need to have some drawn out extended 20, 30 minute warm up routine for a race. That's going to maybe take you two hours, two and a half hours, three hours. I don't know what your pace is. Canyon. It doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is it's not like your half marathon is going to be over in 45 minutes where you really need to just hammer it from the beginning. And that means you need to do a good 20, 30 minute warm up, right? To really make sure your body's prepped and primed and ready to go so that you can just get after it from the start. I mean, even when I, when I ran celebration in January and my goal was to go one, you know, sub 145 and I ended up going sub 140, like I was running pretty hard from the start, but like, like my first mile was like a nine minute mile or 10 minute mile, which would be like a two, two hour plus pace. And that kind of served as the continuation of my warm up after I walked, you know, a mile from the parking lot to get to the start of the race. Um, and just kind of eased into it and then just kind of stepped on the gas from there and didn't look back. So that's, that's a viable strategy for a half marathon. It may, may fly counter to all the warm up advice that I talked about before, but like it's a race day. It's a little bit different. You just don't want to go from a dead stop to like hammer it. So if you're going to try to push, you know, be right at mar- half marathon goal pace from the beginning, then you want to make sure you're getting a five or 10 minute warm up in where you're jogging a little bit, maybe you're doing some, some again, lunges or leg swings or whatever. Um, but how long that needs to be depends on your goals for the race and your strategy for how you're going to execute those goals. Um, but keeping that first mile or two as part of your warm up, part, maybe not the entirety of your warm up, but maybe part to most of your warm up is a viable strategy for, for a race like a half marathon or, or 10 miles or really probably 
probably 15 K or longer. You know, start getting into a 10 K. Well, if you're going to take the first couple of miles to warm up, well then like, eh, you know, you're starting to run out of miles pretty quick. Something like 13.1 miles. You got, you got time to use the first mile or two as continuation of your warm up and really settle in and go from there. So hope that that helps a little bit. Don't overthink it is the, is kind of maybe the, the short answer to both of your first questions. Like find what works for you. Don't overthink it. Last but not least, are there any specific stretches that you do before running? Uh, kind of going back up to Pam's question. No, I mean, I, I do, I, like I said, I don't really stretch. I don't really stretch even after running, but certainly not before, before I'm doing my lunges, I'm doing my leg swings. Uh, I do some jumping jacks usually, um, just to try to wake my, wake my body up since I run, you know, typically five, 10 minutes after I wake up. Um, I, I'm just trying to, to loosen up the body before I head out the door. Um, but I think that those types of, of dynamic movements are, are the best option. Gets the heart rate up just a little bit, gets the blood pumping a little bit, gets the blood flowing through my lower body where I need it into my, you know, loosen up my hips, loosen up my, my glutes, my, my quads, my hamstrings, my knees, my, my calves, my Achilles tendons, my, my ankles, my feet kind of get everything, maybe not primed for my run, but it makes that first mile which kind of is a continuation of my, my warm up, right? Um, it kind of makes that first mile a little bit, a little bit smoother sailing from the beginning, as opposed to, you know, kind of rickety for the first half of mile. Like I don't really have any rickety miles anymore, which I used to, when I would just head out the door and that first mile was, was eh, before I started doing some more dynamic work before I hit the, hit the road. So that's what I do before a run. Uh, we've talked about the, the, the lunge matrix multiple times. Um, I like it, but it's not for everybody. You know, there's all kinds of great warmups out there. Um, but just doing some type of movement, getting the glutes engaged, getting your, your, your muscles moving a little bit, tendons firing a little bit, um, is my recommendation before any type of run, whether it's race day or not. So hope all that helps. Candy, thanks for the questions. Looking forward to the next three pack from you, uh, hopefully next month. And then, you know, we'll start thinking of, we'll start thinking of an, uh, an, an alliterative name for you. Uh, we, we keep you, if you keep showing up every month. All right. Thanks for the questions, Candy. Appreciate you. Speaking of the Tom trifecta, it is now time for the Tom trifecta. First question from Tom this month, rain. That's not really a question, Tom. That's a, that's a one word sentence. Uh, rain. We all have to deal with it. I am good with cold rain and that I have a waterproof jacket and pants to wear over base layers. I'm okay with warmer weather rain because I can just go out in shorts and a t-shirt. The conundrum is the mild weather rain, about 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Walker, for you, that means, I don't know, what, what is that? What is 50 degrees Fahrenheit? Probably mid to upper teens Celsius. I say that off the top of my head, legitimately not looking that up, but that sounds probably about right. Maybe, maybe 15, 15 Celsius is about 50 Fahrenheit-ish. We're in the ballpark. Anyway. I am too warm in fall weather gear and too cold in just shorts and a shirt. Any suggestions? I, you know, um, Tom, I think it's, I think it's, it's, it's cute that you're asking me, the guy who has been running in Florida for the last decade about weather, about 50 degrees and, and rain. Like that's, that sucks. 50 degrees and rain is not ideal, but you're right. You're ultimately right. Like you can get really good waterproof gear that, that doubles to keep you warm when it's 35 and rain. Although I'd say 35 and rain is worse than 50 degrees and rain, but who am I to split hairs? Um, 50, 50 and rain is, is, it's a tough temperature to, to, to dress for because you're, you're entirely, I, I completely understand your question. Um, 80 degrees and rain is fantastic. You just shorts, t-shirt, no t-shirt, your call. Uh, but you're good to go. You, heat is not an issue. Like the, the rain is keeping you cool. Uh, yes. Love it. Sign me up. I take those, I'll take those rains any day. Um, 50 degrees and, and colder 
like 50 degrees is is tricky, especially if it's not raining super hard because you, you got the you, you want to stay dry-ish, so you got the little bit of rain gear on, but then you start sweating too much, it traps too much heat, you overheat. Yeah, it's, that's that's tricky. Um, I guess I guess the answer really kind of lies into what's what's the lesser of two evils for you, you know? If and, and how long is your run? Meaning, if you're going to be out, if it's a long run, you're going to be out there for two or three hours. Like you're probably going to like that's probably too cold to go out there with, with no gear. Like if you were just going to be out there for 45 minutes, like you might be cold, but like whatever. Um, and, and another factor to consider as I'm talking myself through this, this answer, is it likely to get warmer or colder as you're out there? Um, and is the rain likely to stop or get worse? So you kind of have to look at the forecast and we all know weather forecasts are about as good as the paper that they're printed on and they're not even printed on paper anymore. So that tells you how much they're worth, but like you kind of just got to use your best, your best guess. Um, you know, probably not wearing the pants over base layers when it's that type of weather, but you might still want to wear the waterproof jacket. If it's going to be raining for a while, potentially getting worse and not getting any warmer. Um, you know, if it looks like the rain might be, might be going to stop halfway through the run, then maybe you're, you're, you take the chance of rolling the dice and being cold for a bit, but then it's going to stop and, and you you know, won't be too bad. I, you know, but it's like, yeah, the answer is in your question. It's a conundrum. And there's not a good answer. Um, you know, it's kind of like, that's where in my situation, what I would do in that situation is like, I would prefer to be a little bit warmer, potentially even sweaty, um, than be cold and wet. So I would probably overdress in that situation, which is similar to what I do. Just even if it's dry in that situation, I'd rather be a little bit warm for a, an hour long run. Um, than be, I'd rather be a little bit warm for the last half of an hour long run then be a little bit cold for the first half of the hour long run while my body's warming up. So that's the, that's how I adjust when I'm kind of in that gray zone. Um, and so it's kind of like, what would you rather, would you rather be kind of chilly? Then, then maybe you gotta, you know, then maybe you go without the, 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 the proper gear, rather be a little bit warm and dry. Then maybe you put the gear on and just deal with the fact that you're gonna be sweating underneath it. The other option would maybe be to kind of invest in, a lighter, uh, kind of that, that mild weather option, you know, whether it's, it's like a good, a good dry fit that like, you know, doesn't hold onto the water. Um, but will kind of keep you warm without a rain jacket over the top, or maybe it's a lighter rain jacket that you can wear over like a tank or something like that. So that it's, and it, maybe it still has some, some breathability in the, in the underarms and things like that. Um, and those types of things probably aren't cheap, but just guessing, but Western New York, probably likely to have in the spring and the fall, a fair number of days where it's kind of in that, that mild weather rain situation. So it might be, might be something worth, you know, looking for, um, and, and grabbing, you know, a, 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 a good dry fit long sleeve option, um, or a good, you know, light rain jacket option, um, for those days that maybe, maybe threads that need a little better for you, but it's tough. It's, it's tough, Tom. It really is all jokes aside about weather and this and that and the other, like it's, it's, it's a conundrum. You, you, you worded the question perfectly. It's a conundrum because there's not a clear answer. Um, not even close. So good, good luck. Hopefully you don't have too many of those days. Hopefully you have most of your, your, your wet days are one extreme or the other, which makes, which makes navigating what to wear a whole lot easier. But uh, thanks for that question, Tom. Next one from Tom. I am sometimes not very hungry on my long run days. I know that I am calorie deficient in my mind, but my body's just not asking for food. Should I just eat 
and force myself to eat when, when, when I'm hungry, or I'm sorry, let me re- restart that sentence. Should I just eat when I'm hungry or try to jam in some calories even when I'm not? Also, I'm often av- I'm often ravenous on the day after my long run. Should I eat more on those days even if I'm not running? So, Tom, um, that sounds very similar to how I feel uh, a lot of times on long run days. Um, not that hungry. And then the next day, usually really hungry. And I tend to do... I tend to... Tr- my default is to listen to my body, right? If I'm not hungry, I'm not going to eat that much. Will I eat something? Sure. Of course. Of course. But am I going to worry about, you know, maybe I'm down 500 calories or 800 calories for the day? No, no, I'm not going to worry about it because tomorrow knowing my track record sounds like yours as well. I'm going to be pretty hungry. I'm probably going to eat more calories than I burned that day. And, and you know, here's my view and my view might be not worth anything, you know? Um, but I don't feel like our bodies recognize 24 hour days the same way that we do in terms of tracking calories, right. In terms of, of how our bodies respond to food. Like, it's not like, it's not like you can, you can, you know, binge right before midnight, you know, and, and get to your 2000 calories for the day, stop at 1159. And now it's 1201 and go hog wild and eat another 2000 calories. And like, like that's just, that's just 4,000 calories, right? Like that's just, that's just one big binge of food to your body. Um, and I say all that to say this, like, like, you know, being under today and over tomorrow, your body doesn't go, Oh, well we were under today. And so like starvation mode and we're over tomorrow. So let's pack on the, the body weight and stored calories. Like, no, our, our body rides the roller coaster as far as how I feel. Okay. Um, so, you know, if your body's telling you it's hungry, even though you didn't work out as much today, eat, eat healthy food, eat quality food. And trust that your body will take care of itself. And you're not just going to gain a bunch of pounds because you ate on a day you didn't run and vice versa. If you were, if you were not really hungry after your run, you don't need to force yourself to eat a bunch just because I burned 3,700 calories today. And like, my God, I got to eat all this food. No, no eat. And if you're not hungry, stop eating and your body will take care of the rest. Like our bodies have been doing this thing for, you know, a few hundred thousand years, depending on, uh, you know, what your belief system might be. It might, it might only be a few thousand years either way a lot longer than all this exercise sciencey stuff. It's helpful. It's useful. It's beneficial, but let's not lose the forest for the trees, right? Our bodies know how to, to fuel itself. knows how to, to conserve calories, store extra calories, burn extra calories. Listen to your body. My mind, you're good to go. You're good to go. Last but not least from Tom, does professional hockey really belong in Florida? Now I understand the question. And, uh, I've maybe asked that type of question as well of myself in the past. Um, but I will say this, Tom, about Florida, um, Florida geographically. Yeah. We're, we're clearly a Southern state, Florida. Actually, we are not very Southern. Um, you know, like you go into a restaurant in Florida, that's not like, you know, a a good old boys hole in the wall restaurant. And there's no guarantee that asking for iced tea means that you're going to get like syrup, sweet tea. Like if you go into any restaurant in Georgia or Alabama or Mississippi or North Carolina or Tennessee, and you ask for the, for a, an iced tea, you're going to get sweet tea. You come into Florida and you ask for an iced tea and there's a better than average chance that it's going to be a freaking Lipton brisk out of the, out of the tap. And anybody who knows anything about sweet tea will tell you that's not sweet tea, which means that Florida, eh, most of Florida, not really South. Now, there's some places in North Florida that are actually 
much more Southern than most of the peninsula of Florida. So all that to say, does professional hockey really belong in Florida? I mean, Florida is nothing but a bunch of transplants from up North. So we might as well bring our sport down here with us. Right. You know, um, and I, and I, and I will say this as a, as a native Michigander who played hockey in high school, um, it's a lot nicer coming out of the rink after playing hockey in Florida in shorts and flip flops. And it's nice and warm outside than it is coming out of the rink after playing hockey in Northern Michigan in January. And it's, you know, negative 15 degrees with a negative 25 wind chill. Uh, and it's icy and snowy and just gross through the park like that. You know, I mean, it sucks coming outside in that weather anytime, but just, you know, like if I'm going to come out of the, the, the rink carrying my bag, uh, it's, it's more pleasant doing that in Florida than it ever was in Michigan. You know, not saying, just saying. So, um, does professional hockey belong in Florida? I mean, you know, I don't know. Does professional hockey belong in Texas? Does professional hockey belong in Las Vegas? Does it belong in where, like, like where, where are we drawing the line? of where professional hockey belongs. Does it belong in Raleigh, North Carolina, Columbus, Ohio? You know, I might make the argument that professional hockey belongs in Toronto, Montreal, Chicago, New York, Detroit, and Boston. But then it'd be 1962, you know, so there's that original six for life. Ah, anyway, thanks for the questions, Tom. As always, appreciate you and your monthly trifecta. Next question. Back, we got Melody back on the program here, folks. It's been, you know, if you've missed Melody's questions over the last hour, never mind. We're back. We're back. Chris will be listening to this during his run in Iowa. So these questions are specifically for his entertainment slash distraction, as if Chris isn't capable of asking his own nonsense questions. Melody asking for Chris. What a loving, what a loving, doting wife Melody is. Question number one, have you watched the Star Wars trilogy? That depends on how you define trilogy, um, which I know how you define trilogy. It's three. I, I got that. I, I put that together. I can do that math. Um, I have not seen the original Star Wars trilogy. I have not seen Star Wars 4, A New Hope. I have seen Star Wars 5, Return of the Jedi. Or, I'm sorry. Empire Strikes Back. See, I know these. I know these. I've seen that one once. I have seen Star Wars 6, The Return of the Jedi, like a dozen times. Um, so I haven't seen that trilogy. I have watched each of the three prequels once. So I've seen that Star Wars trilogy. I have not watched any of the three post-release new, new versions of Star Wars. And if we count, so then if we count each of those trilogies as one leg of the three-legged stool, I've not seen the overall Star Wars trilogy. So I don't know. I mean, you know, depend. How are we grading this? Which, you know, which one? Are, I'm assuming we're talking about the originals. So then the answer is no. Uh, if you have, which is your favorite favorite one? Well, I haven't, but I still think that Return of the Jedi is my favorite one. I mean, I haven't seen A New Hope, so I don't know, but I do like Return of the Jedi. Assuming you have seen the movies, who is your favorite character? Um, I mean, I don't really have a favorite Star Wars character. Um, but to answer the question, my answer is not a specific character, but it's the Ewoks. You know, it's just the Ewoks in general um, are my favorite because they're freaking awesome. Like, you know, little bears running around the forest, capturing people, capturing, like, that's that's cool. That's cool. 
And then, you know, they, they like, don't they beat the droid, the, 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 the clones at some point, or at least they, you know, they, they get in a little, they, they join the fight. They join the, the rebels. Uh, yeah, the, the Ewoks are my favorite character. If you haven't watched any of the Star Wars movies, why not? I mean, I've watched some of them, but I don't care about Star Wars. Like I, I never really have. So, and, and, and I don't, I don't say that to be dismissive of those of you that like Star Wars. Like if you like Star Wars, that's cool. That's, you know, cool. It, 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 those movies do nothing for me. Um, you know, sorry, sorry, not sorry. Like, if you don't like Wayne's World, I don't hold it against you. You're wrong, but I don't hold it against you. Um, but I'll watch Wayne's World every day and twice on Sunday before I watch Star Wars if if I have the choice. Yeah, right. Anyway, next question from Chris, who is actually able to a- ask his own nonsense questions. Uh, what is your favorite corn-related dish? Um, I mean, I'm not the biggest corn-related dish fan, but a good corn casserole, whether or not it's Thanksgiving time, you know, where you get the you get the, the, the cream corn and you got the cornbread mixed in there, and it's just kind of not really sloppy, but it's not really like, it's not just bread. Like, I mean, cornbread's good too, don't get me wrong. But, uh, but yeah, corn casserole, I mean, that's one of the, kind of like my splurge foods. Like that's, that's good stuff. Little jiffy corn mix, little cream corn, like a stick or two of butter. That's good stuff. That is good stuff right there. Uh, next question from Chris. How many farms do you think I've passed so far today? I think it's, I think, you, I don't think you've passed one farm yet, Chris. I think, I think that you're still passing. You're still working your way through one farm and that's all you're going to get through today. Yes, you might be running for 27 or 32 miles or whatever it is, but I think it's just one farm uh, because hashtag Iowa, hashtag farm, hashtag boring, but good on you. Good on you for running halfway across the state. Uh, Keep on keeping on my friend. Next question. I bet you'll never guess who the next question is from. Not from Chris, but from Melody. Uh, next question from Melody. Fine then. Same questions about the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes, I have seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, my favorite movie of the Lord of the Rings trilogy is probably the Two Towers. Although I I felt like Return of the King was okay, and I wasn't upset with how the Return of the King ended with the little kind of ending at the end, which is where the ending usually should go, unless it's a Tarantino movie, in which case the ending's at the beginning. But that's another question for another day. Um, but two towers is probably my favorite and definitely Legolas is my, my favorite character. Cause who doesn't like elves are awesome. Elves are awesome. The bow. Yeah. Awesome. Gimli is cool too. Let's not kid ourselves, but Legolas, Legolas is the, is the man. Well, he's the elf. Um, but he's the man as far as I'm concerned in Lord of the Rings. Also not for nothing while we're on the subject of Lord of the Rings. And while we're trying to make sure that this episode goes as long as possible while Chris runs through that one cornfield today. Um, if you look at, if you look at that period of what, when were the Lord of the Rings movies come out? Like, like 99 to 05, something like that. Um, which was also the same time that the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were coming out. Orlando Bloom. That's quite the, the, the dueling trifecta of movies that you're in, in the same five, six year period of time. Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy and 
the uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Not not too shabby. Maybe seconded only by Ian McKellen, who was also in Lord of the Rings, but was also at that same time was in like the the X Men mo- X Men trilogy of movies. I think there were three of them that came out about that time. Not bad, you know. Not a bad way to 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 stack up your IMD page and cash those residuals checks. You know, not bad, not bad. Next question, also from Melody. Feel like we got a theme here. Although I think I think this might be the last of the Melody and Chris questions for this episode. Next question. Not that not that I'm not that I'm sick of the questions. You know, not yeah. Just you know, let's give some other people some opportunities here. Melody and Chris. Last question from Melody. What is your favorite movie quote? Now, these are not my favorite types of questions because, like, what is your favorite movie? What is your favorite? you know, song, what is your favorite, this favorite, that favorite book, you know, like, like those are so tough because, because there are so many good ones. There are so many movie quotes that I use on a regular basis or a semi-regular basis, depending on the context, depending on the conversation, depending on the company. Cause that matters as well. Um, there are a lot of great movie quotes out there. Uh, a lot that I really enjoy. If I had to pick a favorite, and I'm sure I'm leaving other great ones on the table. And there might even be other ones that I would actually bump above this one if I, if I really thought long and hard and watched a bunch of movies and things like that. But ain't nobody got time for all that. A movie quote that'll make me chuckle, make me laugh out loud. And every time I hear it, I go, God, that's a, that is a great line. Maybe one of the greatest lines I've ever heard in a movie. You would not guess which movie it will come from. So I will tell you. It is from... Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Which, if you know your Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, is not the Gene Wilder. That's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. No, no, no. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, 2002, 3, 4, something like that. Johnny Depp playing Willy Wonka. Um, the best line in that movie, arguably one of the best lines in any movie. It's, it's just a kind of a throwaway line, but it's, it's, it's a hilarious zinger that makes me cackle every single time. Right after... Um, Violet Beauregard gets, you know, eats, chews the gum. Spoiler alert. She chews the gum, uh, blows up like a, like a, like a blueberry and they're taking her out. And, and, um, in, in this, in this version of the movie, and I think it's in the book too, cause that, that movie is much more close to the book than the, the Gene Wilder movie is, but that's, you know, whatever. Um, but she's like, comp- she competes in everything, right? Violet's this, this competitor and she's in the, in the movie, she has competed in like gymnastics and things like that. And, and like, she's really driven. Like her mom is really like that, that show mom. That's like, let's all about, let's, let's compete and let's win trophies and let's do this. And like, like living her life through her kid. Right. And so she's, she's walking out and, and they, they roll Violet out after she blows all up. And, and Willy Wonka is like, you know, take her to the juicing room and, and have her squeezed or whatever. And, um, and Violet's mom goes, but, but, Mr. Wonka, how, how will she ever compete? And Veruca Salt, Veruca Salt, without missing a beat, as, as Violet has just been rolled out looking like a blueberry, says, you could put her in a county fair. Lol, lol, cackle, laugh every time. Best line in that movie. Um, whether or not it's my favorite movie quote, I don't know, but you can put her in a county fair. That wins. That, that mic drop. You've been zinged, done, dead. Put her in the county fair. 
is uh, the answer I'll go with for today. But again, subject subject to all kinds of other you know lines. I will not say it's my favorite, but it's one that I really enjoy and one that I would bet that none of you expected me going to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for favorite lines from a movie. Next, we got a block of questions from Gary Joe, GJC, sliding in, sliding into that, that Twitter DM again with the questions because my man doesn't do Facebook and I don't fault him for it. Uh, but thanks for the questions, Gary Joe. First question. My daughter wants me to train her to run better. She's 15 and just getting into the sport deeper. Any tips? So, um, yeah, I've got, I've got some, some tips for you, Gary Joe. And, and I think that the, the biggest thing is to, to just continue to prioritize fun. Um, from your question, it, there's, there's some, some wiggle room, maybe not wiggle room, but there's, there's some ambiguity about what better might mean. You know, better to some, to, to a lot of us, I think would, would a lot of times that, that correlates to, to speed. So getting faster and maybe that's what your, what your daughter's looking for. Maybe she wants to run a little bit farther. Maybe she wants to go out for the cross country team next year. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what better means to her. Um, but as long as she's having fun, that's, that's the priority. So maybe she wants to train for a half marathon. She has no interest in competing at the, at the school level at, at cross country or track or things like that. That's fine. Um, but just figure out ways to make it fun, you know? And, 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 you know, one thing that comes to mind is maybe, um, you know, especially in the summertime, depending on, on how things work, but like, you know, it's a, da- a daddy daughter running, running date that, you know, has a pit stop at the ice cream parlor. Right. Um, or, you know, y- y'all run together for a little while and then it's, it's a race, race back home, you know, the last, the last two blocks or, you know, whatever it is, but just, just prioritize that she's having fun. Um, that's, that's the name of the game for, for quite frankly, for all of us. And as far as I'm concerned, but especially anybody, anybody who's kind of getting into it and wants to like starting to, to enjoy it maybe a little bit and, and, and looking to, to see some progress and moving in the right direction. Like that's, that's cool. And again, progress in the right direction. However, that, that is defined by her. Um, but, but just making sure that, that it doesn't get too serious, right? Like it's okay to, to compete. It's okay. And if, if that is something that, that drives her or anybody like, like the competition piece can be part of the fun, but don't lose like, you know, there's, there's, we all have our days, right. And don't lose sight of fun is first competition is second. So, um, you know, at 15, she, she's, she's in a good position to, to start up in her mileage and, and things like that. If she wants to do that. Um, and obviously you can encourage that and run with her and things like that. Um, but, but you know, as long as she's having fun, as long as she's enjoying her runs, um, I think, I think she's doing it right. And I think that, uh, you know, you can, you can just kind of make sure to keep that top of mind for her and kind of push her in that direction of fun first. Um, and everything else kind of takes care of itself. And if you can, you know, spring for ice cream once in a while on a run, I mean, that's going to be fun too. That's going to be fun for both of you. Right. So make sure she's having fun. Um, you know, listening to her body, things like that. You know, if, if something's a little bit sore, a little bit off, like take the day off, don't force it. Don't get injured. Things like that, or at least reduce the chances of injuries. Some of those, those same types of, of quote unquote, I want to say common sense things, but they're, they're real easy to be commonsensical about others. And when they're ourselves and it's my foot, that's bothering me. It's like, ah, you know, I'll just run. I hope, I'll hope that it goes well. Um, but just listening to her body, it's okay to take a, t- take a day off. Um, you know, Mr. Heart rate here, not saying that she needs to run by heart rate, but just, you know, reminding her or teaching her or informing her 
that not every run needs to be, isn't, isn't a race and not every run needs to be faster than the day before. Even, even if, especially maybe if that's what, you know, her better is, she wants to get faster. It's okay to run easy. In fact, it's beneficial to run easy. A lot of times now at 15, she can probably get away with pushing it a little bit more, but there's no reason to overdo it, right? Just cause you can get away with it. Doesn't mean that it's, it's optimal. So keep it easy. Most of the time, hit it hard once in a while, uh, have some fun, stop for ice cream. Sounds like, it sounds like a good summer to me. Sounds like a good summer running with, uh, with Addison, you know, eight years from now, potentially, potentially, but have fun with your daughter. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Um, hopefully it's, it, it can be a really good father daughter situation, uh, for years that you can, you know, when she comes back from college, y'all can go out for a run together. When she, you know, comes back as, as a, as a grown woman coming home for the holidays, y'all can go for a run together. You go visit her. Uh, y'all can go for a run together. That's that, that sounds awesome. You know, plant those seeds of enjoyment and fun now, and uh, hopefully they'll continue to bloom for, for many, many years, many, many years. Uh, next question, the value of vitamin supplementation to runners, i.e. iron B12, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like I said earlier with Natasha's question, I don't do much for supplementation. Um, not saying that you can't or shouldn't, but I, I think that, I think that in general, um, supplements can be very helpful. If you've got a deficiency somewhere, if, if, if you're, you know, whatever, if, if for some reason your body or your diet is not supplying certain, certain nutrients, vitamins, whatever, then yeah, you supplement. Right. Uh, but I think that, that the best option in general is to get it through your diet. Now as runners, some, you know, and, and as individuals, some of us might have a harder time getting certain things enough through our diet. Maybe we do better with more iron. Maybe we do better with higher levels of vitamin B or vitamin D, which is one of the supplements I take or, you know, whatever. Um, I think it's something that you can kind of play with a little bit, but I mean, I, you know, unless you're, unless you're like doing whether it's inside tracker or getting your blood drawn through, through your healthcare provider or whatever, and you're, you're seeing a, a full blood panel and where you are and where you're deficient at. I mean, I think it's really hard to just guess, right? So, so if, if you're, if you're seeing, blood results and it shows that you're low in X, Y, and Z, then yeah, I mean, you probably want to supplement those things or supplement some type of food that's high in those vitamins and minerals to, to help bring those numbers up. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're anemic, you're low on iron as a runner, that's going to be problematic. You know, if you're, if you're low on any type of, of vitamins as, as any type of, of human being, it can, it can, you know, impact how your body works. And so, so yeah, like getting those things, getting those, those levels up. If they're, if they're really low can be, can be valuable. Um, but, but again, I mean, I think just, just randomly guessing or not having a reason, but just like, Oh, I think I should take these. Like, you know, I heard runners usually do better when they, when they, when they take sub, supplemental vitamin C, like, I mean, I mean, probably isn't going to hurt. I take supplemental vitamin C for kind of ideally, uh, theoretically for immune function, whether, whether it does anything, I don't, I don't really know, I guess. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know how much value there really is in it. Um, but you know, if you feel like it's helping you, or if you have test results that show that this would be beneficial to supplement then supplement it, hopefully, hopefully it does. Hopefully then by, by supplementing your body's working better. You'll see things pay off in a positive manner for your running. Last question from Gary Joe, which I was hoping was going to be the last question of the Q and a, but then a few, not because I didn't want to answer any more questions, but it's just, it's just such a, such a perfect question between me and GJC. 
that would have been a great place to wrap things up. We do have a few more questions after this one. Uh, but the, the final question from Gary Joe. 96-97 Red Wings versus 21-22 Avalanche. Who wins? How many games? And is there a chance under the sun Colorado puts seven on Osgood? So this, this honestly, this could be a 45-minute discussion, probably longer than that, quite frankly. Uh, the nuance between comparing teams of, of you know different different eras and and you know salary cap decade versus the, versus the 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 non salary cap you know era clutch and grab era versus the more free flowing now the game's faster now um, the game was grittier back then you know so like which 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 team is or, you know which which rules are we playing with you know all those types of things um, so I don't know who would win I'll tell you what it'd be a hell of a it'd be a hell of a, of a seven game series. Uh, just as likely that somebody would win in five or six as it would go to triple overtime in game seven. Um, pretty even back and forth. Is there a chance in the sun, under the sun Colorado put seven on Osgood? Absolutely, there is. Um, Chris Osgood was the, the, the Wings goalie uh, in 97-98. In uh, won the Stanley Cup with them. Um, I like Chris Osgood. But he was he was very much susceptible to a game where you're just like he couldn't stop anything. Um, so yeah, they could definitely like they could put seven against him and he'd come back and pitch a shutout the next day. Like very much, very much within the realm of possibility. Um, so you know it would be it'd be a great series. Uh, but quite frankly, like it'd be a great series the 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 ninety six ninety seven Avalanche versus the twenty one twenty two Avalanche. You know, like, like those, those teams back then. And you know, the, the, the abs were one of the teams, the wings, the Dallas stars, the, the New Jersey devils, uh, were right there every year as well. Um, those were some good teams and you know, the abs right now, shoot the lightning right now. I mean, let's, let's not even look back at the 96, 97 Red Wings. Let's look at the, the 21, 22, 2021, you know, 2020, uh, the, the, the lightning have been a series is going well right now. So, um, playoff hockey is special. Stanley cup finals. Hockey is special. You're not the biggest, you're not the biggest hockey fan in the world. Hey, you know, can't, we can't all get it right all the time, but, uh, you know, you wouldn't, if you're, if you're a fan of sport, tune in, tune into one of these Stanley cup final games. If you, if you have the opportunity and even if you don't know all the rules and not quite sure what's happening, just just the speed and the skill that those guys have, it's special. It's special. And yeah, the 96-97 Red Wings, that was, that was a good team. And 21-22 Avalanche, 21-22 Lightning, those are good teams too. Uh, and anytime you get seven games, best of seven against two good teams, it's going to be something something good. Something good. So... You know, I, I I clearly can't pick the Avalanche to win, so I'll take the Wings and I'll take the Wings Wings in six, um, and and Colorado scores seven on Osgood in, in Game Four, and he comes back and pitches a shutout in Game Five, and then they win Game Six, uh, four to one, uh, in Detroit to lift the cup. How about that? That's that's a good storybook right there. I think I think. Anyway, thanks for the questions, Gary Joe. Have fun running with your daughter. All right, and and, and uh, uh, nothing but the best to you this summer, my friend. And thanks thanks for the thanks for the gin. Good stuff. Good stuff. Next question from Corey. Uh, Denny, I don't care much for Gatorade or many electrolyte drinks. I have noticed humidity getting to me this year. And after listening to you advocating for salt in your water, I've tried it, but I seem to have the mix wrong. What would be the recommended mix? I'm not a big fan of a bottle of ocean water. And I also want to make sure I have enough to do what it's supposed to do. Um, 
Yeah, Corey, I, I apologies if I didn't, uh, if I haven't made this clear in the past. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm not an advocate of drinking ocean water either. Um, when I put salt in my, in my water bottle, um, here's, here's, I, I don't measure, I don't measure anything. Uh, I just kind of put a little bit in and hope for the best. Sometimes it's a little too salty. Sometimes I'm like, damn, I didn't think I even put any salt in this time. Uh, but what I do, I fill up my, my Nalgene, my, my, it's like a 32 ounce, a little bit more than a liter, I think for you metric folk. Um, but you know, 32 ounce quart size bottle of water, right? I put it about half full. I take the salt shaker, the sea salt shaker, and I just put like two or three shakes in there. So I don't know what that ends up being uh, in terms of amount, a couple of pinches, you know, a couple of, a couple of shakes of the, of the, of the salt shaker. Then I fill the rest of it back up with water, swirl it around kind of so it, it, it theoretically dissolves in the whole thing. Usually the first half, I don't taste too much. Second half, it's a little bit saltier, but it's never like super overpowering. It's a little th- you can taste that there's a little bit of salt in there, but it's not, it's definitely not ocean water. And so it just sounds to me like you're just going a little bit heavy on the salt or, or you're, you know, you got a good amount of salt, you got the right amount of salt in there, but you know, it's not enough water. So I guess that means you don't have enough. You have too much salt in there. That's the, that's what it sounds like. So just back off a little bit, you know, like, like if, if you're doing, you know, whatever, if you're doing a, a teaspoon, do a half a teaspoon and see what that tastes like. Um, if you're doing four shakes, do two and see what that tastes like. Uh, you want to be able to, you don't even necessarily need to be able to taste it. But, you know, having that, that little bit of a hint of, of taste that you know it's there, but not so much that you can't stomach it, that's that's probably the sweet spot. Um, but, but yeah, the, the, the salt helps. Um, it helps the body absorb the water, and it helps to replace some of those electrolytes that, that we're losing in the, the, the hot and humid of the summer. So play with it. Find the right mix. You can also maybe add in just, you know, if... if if you feel like you're not putting enough salt in by, by taking it down to taste, you can always, you know, play with the idea of putting a little bit of fruit juice or something that, that'll, that'll help counter the flavor a little bit. Cause that's ultimately what Gatorade does. And all those electrolyte drinks do like they have so much salt in there, but then they, they add so much flavoring to kind of mask the salt taste. Um, so you can always play with that by putting a little bit of, of, you know, whatever, you know, apple juice or, uh, whatever, whatever flavoring aids, you know, put a little bit of, of you know, fruit in there and kind of make it a fut infused with a little bit of salt in there as well. Um, you, you know, play with it, play with it. You be, be your own mad scientist and find the, the, the concoction that works best for you. Um, but as long as you're replacing the salt and then feeling okay afterwards, then you probably got enough salt in there, you know? And so that's, that's what we're going for. Uh, but good on you for trying. Sorry if I, if I, you know, made it seem like I was drinking ocean water. That's not my, that's not my, that's not my jam either. Um, just make sure there's a little bit of salt in there to replace what you're, what you're losing. And, uh, hopefully you can find one that's that find a level that's palatable for you soon. Thanks for the questions. My friend, hope things are well up North. Uh, next two questions from Sharon. I wanted to ask you about your vacation slash cruise running. And then I remember that you've been dealing with injuries. So my question instead will be about food. What was the culinary highlight of your trip? Uh, I think back like 17 hours ago when we started this episode, uh, Melody asked about the trip and I think I gave some of the rundown, but, but in case I didn't get into all the details, cause I knew that this question was coming, let's talk about the food. I was not impressed with the food on the cruise this year. Uh, sadly, but I did have a couple of good things. So they had, they had like a, a hamburger bar on, on the boat that as far as I'm concerned, as far as Addison was concerned, as far as Rebecca was concerned, I think I'm speaking correctly for all of them was the best food on the boat. Um, 
it was like Guy Fieri theme, but I don't think that really matters. It was, you know, cheeseburgers, hamburgers, they had all kinds of fixings, you know, barbecue sauce and, and different types of sauces and things you could put on it. Uh, French fries, like that type of thing. Um, and that was like, I ate there the most probably because like I could just get a couple of burgers, um, you know, some lettuce and pickles and things like that on it. Um, like, I don't know that they were like outstanding hamburgers. They weren't bad. Like they were just, they, and they weren't like, like they were, they were good, solid hamburgers. Right. Um, but judged against the rest of the food on the boat, like, yeah, highlight, highlight. Uh, the other highlight was when we were in Juneau and we were hanging out with Angela. Uh, we went to a, like a local, uh, food truck that had fish and chips, like local halibut. Um, that was really good. That was really good. Um, definitely the, the food highlight for me of the entire trip. So my, my food highlight of the cruise was, had nothing to do with being on the cruise. It was, it was local food truck in Juneau, Alaska, fresh fish and chips. Um, that was good stuff. That was good stuff. We also had a, uh, we got, the food truck was parked outside of the, the local brewery. So we had like a local brew beer as well. Um, after hiking, um, before we got back on board and then I wasn't hungry to eat any of the food on the ship. Win-win, win-win. So that was shout out to whatever the food truck was in Juneau, Alaska and the uh, Alaskan brewing company for a, a good, a good porter. Um, that was the food highlight for me. Absolutely. The food highlight for me. Uh, speaking of your injuries, second question from Sharon, uh, how is the recovery coming? It's, it's coming. It's coming. All right. Uh, ran a couple times in Alaska. So I did get to run a couple times. Didn't run on the boat, but I ran at, at two of the ports. Um, I wish I would have had more time in Juneau cause that was probably the best running port that we stopped at, but we had a, uh, an excursion plan. And then we met up with Angela as soon as we got done with that. So, uh, we didn't have, we didn't have as much time to run there. Um, I probably could have ran for an hour before the excursion, but I didn't want to push my foot too much. If I was t- totally healthy, I would have ran for an hour in Juneau as well. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the, the foot's coming along. Um, definitely feels like, like the worst is behind me. Um, just kind of need to be smart at this point, kind of in that, that period of like, don't jump back in to run in six days a week, like run three days a week. Uh, don't jump back to, to six miles a day, like start at two or three miles a day. Um, and just kind of ease back up. And if I need to take a little step back, take a little step back, but, um, definitely feel like the end is near, um, of this whole injury process. And then I can get back to the normal running routine, hopefully before we head to Georgia, because hopefully we'll sell the house soonish, but I'll be running before then. And then I'll be hitting the ground running when we get to the hills of East Georgia. Um, but yeah, thanks for asking. Things are, things are starting to trend in the right direction. Um, and that's, that's certainly exciting. Certainly exciting. Uh, next question from Michaela, the recent podcast episode reminded me and, uh, any advice for recovery when, for example, you've run for nine hours and then wake up and have to drive nine hours home asking for a friend who had super swollen legs and feet for like four days. Spoiler alert. I'm really asking for me. Um, yeah, you know, Michaela, I, I feel like, you know, nine hours, whether it's an ultra, whether it's a marathon, whether it's a half, whatever, um, any type, any type of, of run where you're really extending yourself, pushing for a longer period of time than, than you normally would. Um, obviously it takes some wear and tear on the body, right? And, and that's not a bad thing. That's just, that's just the facts. It's just how it, how it works. And when you then, you know, cramp up in a, not cramp up, but you, you just stay in one place in a car for, you know, several hours or in an airplane for several hours or whatever. Um, 
things have a tendency to swell up a little bit, not feel so great, etc. Um, and so, I mean, you know, the, 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 the suggestions, the advice is kind of similar to what, uh, I think it was probably JT that was talking about recently. Um, but just to move as much as you can, you know, and, and if, if you're driving home, that might mean that your nine hour drive now takes 10 hours because you stop at a, a couple extra rest stops, not cause you need to pee, but just because you're going to get up and move around. You know, you stop at a, you, you spend a little bit of time, extra time at, at a restaurant instead of maybe going through the drive through so you can just keep cruising. Like you stop and you go in and you, you order, you know, and you, and you sit down and stand up and sit down and stand up and you walk across the parking lot or you hobble across the parking lot or whatever. But you just, you just be intentional about getting out of the car every hour or two at, at most um, just to get some movement, you know, and, and maybe if you really want to take it to the next level, you're, you're drinking plenty of water because that helps with recovery, but it also is going to force you to stop a little bit more. You know, if you're like, God, but I just, you know, I, I can't, I can't force myself to stop at the rest area if I don't have to pee. Well, freaking fill up your water bottle every time you stop and you'll have to stop every hour or two because you're going to have to pee. So you, you, then, then, then that, that solves the problem. Um, and also the, the extra water can help flush out the system um, and help keep some of that swelling at bay too. So, you know, it can kind of be a double whammy because it forces you to move, but it also carries some of that, that inflammation helps to carry that to the kidneys and then filter it out of the body. Um, so that can be a good, a good answer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it just comes down to moving as much as you can, um, which isn't always easy and isn't always conducive to a long travel situation home, but it definitely helps, you know, compression socks that's going to help a little bit. Um, you know, if you can, elevate your feet a little bit. If you, you know, depending on what you're driving or if you're not driving, if you can, you know, recline your seat, put your feet up, maybe get in the back seat, put the feet up, uh, that'll help. Um, but stopping and moving a few times if possible, that's probably the best, the best thing you can do. Um, just not always convenient when you've got a long travel day ahead of you, but you know, the alternative is to have swollen legs for four days, and that's not ideal either. <laughs> but uh, great job on your race, and hopefully recovery is going has gone well, and, uh, you know, getting back on track for the summer. That's the plan. That's the plan. Last but not least, one more question from Diana, and we will wrap this thing up at uh, whatever we're at, two hours and 15 minutes. Well, by the time I'm done yammering, probably two hours and 30, but hey, you know, it is what it is. At this point, uh, you know, what's another 15 minutes? You've made it this far. Might as well, might as well go, might as well go to the finish line with me. So last question from Diana, when looking to increase weekly mileage, how much time should lapse between increases? I'm not currently training for a, a race or a specific distance, but would like to increase my overall weekly mileage. I currently hover around 20 to 21 miles a week and would like to like to get up to 25. Should I hang out at 20 for a month and then move it up and then sit there a bit and so forth? Or is a slight bump each week fine since I'm just looking to increase slightly? I'm probably overthinking it. Um, Diana, <laughs> you're probably right. Uh, you probably are overthinking it. I, I think that um, th there is a rule of thumb, and I'm not the biggest rule of thumb fan, but it, it, it at least kind of provides some framework. That the, the, the loose rule of thumb is that you shouldn't increase your weekly mileage by more than like 10% one week to the next. But for you already being around 20 to 21 miles, that means that you could go, you know, add two miles this week. So now you're at 22 miles and you had another two miles and then, or, you know, another 2.2 miles. If we really want to get technical next week. And now you're right about, you're, you know, in three weeks, you could easily be at 25 miles per, per week, uh, by following that 10% guideline. Uh, and so that's fine. You know, you bump it up a little bit, bump it up a mile each week and, and get there over the course of a month. That would work. Um, quite frankly, you, 
you know, hanging out at 2021 20, for, for a month and then bumping it up to 23 miles and hanging out there for a month. And then like that would work too. Um, there's, there's multiple ways to get there. That, that range, that, that five mile per week range that you're looking to increase isn't, isn't so substantial that you need to, to be super long-term about it. But at the same time, I wouldn't jump there in a week, you know, like, like that could be asking a bit too much. So, you know, however, however it shakes out, don't overthink it, but yeah, you know, you could bump it up a little bit one week to the next, you could bump it up every other week. Um, you got a couple different ways to get there. Just continue to listen to your body, you know, going back to, to, you know, to lots of things I've said, uh, over the, the years about just trusting what your body's telling you, you know, if, if something's a little bit sore, cut back a couple, couple miles and then go back up to it, you know, the, the next week, like, like it's not, it doesn't have to be super linear. You can have some ups and downs and that's okay. Uh, but as long as your body's feeling okay, you know, you don't have to be super conservative with how you, you bump up from 20 miles a week to 25, give it a couple few weeks at minimum. If it takes you five weeks, that's fine. If it takes you eight weeks, that's fine. Uh, if it takes you two or three weeks and your body's feeling good as you do it, that's fine too. That's fine too. So yeah. Don't overthink it. I'll try not to overcomplicate the answer. No guarantees. I haven't already done that. Um, but yeah, you've got, you've got some, some good wiggle room in there. Um, but like you also said, with no race on the horizon, no need to rush the process either. So increase it a little bit. You'll get there before long, no doubt. Um, and then you can kind of hang out and feel comfortable at 25 before you take it up to the next level, whenever it is that you're doing that. Maybe when there's a, a race that you're working towards some point further down the road, but that's that. There we go. June, 2022 listener Q and a now in the books, hopefully something from today's Q and a episode was useful. Lots of it wasn't thanks to melody and Chris, or at least it wasn't running useful. Hopefully it was entertaining, useful. Maybe there was a little bit of running useful mixed in there as well. Thanks everybody for the questions as always appreciate it. Uh, of course, I, I know I said this at the beginning. I'll say it again now. I'll remind you once again that uh, the best way to get your questions answered is to get into the Facebook group. Dizruns.com slash Facebook is the best way. You can also just search for the Dizruns tribe the next time that you're scrolling through Facebook. But you're also always welcome to try to slide into the DM somewhere with some questions like Gary Joe has done a couple of times. A few others have done this as well in the past. Um, I know Leticia did a month or two ago. Um, you can do that. Just trust it if I somehow overlook it or miss it or forget to include it. It wasn't intentional. Um, but if you get it into the Facebook group, get it on that, that question that says, what are your questions this month? Or, you know, comment on the post. What are your questions this month with your questions? I'm not going to lose them. So that that's the surest, surest fire way to get your questions answered. But one way or the other, your questions are always appreciated, always welcome, always happy to try to help out in some form or fashion. And, uh, you know, I think this was an all right episode. I think we'll do it again next month. If you're if you're so willing, I'll be here next month to do it again. Hopefully, you'll be around to listen to it as well. And until then, take care of yourselves, all right? Be well. Take good care. Uh, keep on keeping on. Stay safe out there this summer. Keep, keep up with the fluids. Don't add too much salt, Corey. And uh, we'll see you next month, all right? Later, y'all.